Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Tuesday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson, and on the program with me today, I've got Tom Peavy and Ryan Lavoie. What a beautiful day it is here on the Plains as we inch closer to the Thanksgiving holiday and are so much closer to another Iron Bowl coming up on Saturday. Tons to get into on the program today. A little bit later, we will have our birthdays in sports. We'll have our nightly TV guide. We'll tell you about the player of the week here on the program. Eric McDade State Farm will be stopping by to cover the bases with us. But right out of the gates here, we're so fired up. Brett Whiteside is here with us from the On to Victory Auburn NIL Collective. The executive director going to spend some time with us here on the program. Uh, Tom and Ryan, how are you guys doing today, fellas? I, I'm doing great. And, I, yeah, it is a beautiful day outside right now. It's uh nice and comfortable not too cold not too hot it's just nice and perfect weather and uh yeah a lot to discuss a, a lot uh going on last night with this whole coaching search with some reports that came out regarding lane kiffin that we don't know um <laughs> but uh, a lot of a, a lot of stuff got stirred up last night with uh john sokolov's uh report uh so we'll, i'm sure we'll talk about some of that and uh still keep preview, previewing this upcoming iron bowl and getting into it and yeah. then of course we've got you know brett whiteside here with us we're going to talk a lot of nil can't wait mr lavoy how are you sir uh doing well and also you got auburn basketball starting in cancun yep. this evening as well and love this time of year you have uh, auburn football and auburn basketball overlapping and you have a, a lot to talk about and obviously as we get closer to the end of the week you have the undertones of the coaching search and, and everything that we've been kind of following along with that for a month now or almost a month and knowing that that could be coming to a close sooner rather than later. Uh, obviously, once that Iron Bowl ends, then that's going to be on the forefront of everyone's mind. But but just going to look at this Auburn basketball team, too. Really excited for them to start to play a few more opponents that are a little bit higher up in competition. We've seen some great defense from the Tigers basketball team, great rebounding, great play around the rim. Seen that outside shot struggle a little bit. So important opportunity for them in Cancun on a neutral site to see if they can get a little bit more offensive potency from outside. So excited about that and, and just break down the Iron Bowl and everything else. Auburn and Bradley today, 5 p.m. Central. You can listen to the game here on FM Talk 93.9. Uh, coverage starts at 4.30. Brett Whiteside is here in the studio, the executive director of the On to Victory Auburn NIL Collective. Brett, how are you, my friend? It's good to see you. Thanks Hello, for being gentlemen. here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. War Eagle. War Eagle. We are, uh, we're fired up to talk with you about what's going on with On to Victory, a new day and age in college athletics. Name, image, and likeness has come into play. 
Uh, I mean, it, it's it's wild to think we've gotten here at this point, and uh, here we are. Auburn's got this NIL collective that's off and running. Yeah, no doubt about it. Who would have thought, you know, a few years ago we'd be talking about opportunities to compensate our players for their name, image, and likeness. And uh, what a great opportunity it is. And it's an opportunity for Auburn to really make a splash in this space and and to really be competitive through supporting its student-athletes. I heard you talk with uh, our good pal Andy Burcham on the Talking Tigers podcast that all those years ago uh, we find ourselves looking at this O'Bannon case. There's a video game that so many people love to play. What are these athletes getting with their likeness being out there on a video game platform and it's also fitting and relevant now because we've learned within the past 24 hours that ea sports is delaying this next edition of the college football game set to return and uh, yeah it's just it's it's funny that things are running full circle there it is no doubt about it you know and i was talking to somebody on campus last weekend you know just as you look around and you see all the 34 jerseys walking around campus you know that's a great way of of thinking about how although both Jackson had a very successful career. Uh, he's not made one dime off of a 34 <laughs> jersey, nor has a 23, a 24, a 2, or any other jersey for Auburn players. So, um, you know, I think that's the intention of name, image, and likeness, and, and uh, it's grown a little bit, but nonetheless, it, it's our role as a fan base to support our student-athletes. Uh, Brett, so one of the questions I, I get asked a lot from uh, fans out there is how this works, and, and maybe you can uh, educate some folks on how this NIL works. You know, a, a, an athlete, they come to Auburn they sign with Auburn and now they have this collective that is there for them how how does this work for a student athlete that comes to Auburn yeah, I think the, the, the first thing to recognize is to define what an NIL collective is. Right. And it's just essentially a group of people with a common shared goal and passion and purpose, which is typically to support its university student-athletes. And so we have multiple ways of Auburn fans to, to give to our collective, to donate to our collective. And then the operational burden is on our staff, myself and our staff, to ensure that we set up contracts with the players so that they complete some fulfillment requirements that's within their contract. That is the the difference between pay for play and true name, image, and likeness. And so these student athletes are performing services. Uh, We have student athletes that recently participated in our golf tournament. We have student athletes who are going to drive to Columbus um, early next month to go to a senior living facility. Um, So there's multiple ways that our student athletes are earning this money. Um, and so once they arrive on campus, we'll engage with them. We'll, it's our responsibility to place a valuation on each player um, and look at that individually. And then we can offer them a contract, and in return they'll have services they provide to us, which could be these appearances, could be autographs, could be social media posts. Right. Um, so that's kind of how it works for them. And, and, and to clarify, because I think this is where a lot of people get confused, when you t- start talking about the NIL and the collective, this is not a situation where you are uh, using this to entice a high school kid and saying, we're going to pay you X amount of money to come to Auburn. That's not how this NIL works. There's, there, there are still NCAA regulations that are involved with this and compliance regulations that are involved in this. So this NIL collective is not a, 
we're going to pay you X amount of money to come to Auburn and try to get into a bidding war like that with other schools. Yeah, exactly right. You know, there there has to be an arm's length away from the university. You know, none of our staff are university employees. We're a separate LLC. Right. And um, that is the that's the key to all this is boosters um, obviously cannot have recruiting conversations with a kid. Right. And a recruiting conversation would be an inducement to attend their school. And so nobody from our collective has ever spoken to a recruit. That's up to our coaches and our coaches can recruit on NIL by showing what some of the opportunities that our current student athletes have had uh, so your coaching staff sits down with the with the family they talk about how strong an NIL collective is how the opportunities have been for the current players and then maybe what the opportunities could look like for them in the future but without promising them a certain amount of money uh, or a certain amount right. of, of opportunities at their school so tell me about the the relationship then with a collective like this and coaches there on campus because as you said on to victory not affiliated with auburn university yeah. when it comes down to um, you know where the dollars are going and that sort of thing in the separate llc as you alluded to what is that relationship like with auburn coaches yeah i think it's it's a professional relationship i think that it was very wise of our collective to choose to become a a partner of the universities through their media rights holder and so there's great alignment with the university and the collective we understand um, how we're a separate entity uh, but we're supporting Auburn student-athletes that's our mission and so uh, we have to keep an arm's length away but we work together as closely as we can the NCAA has given us some recent guidance on how we can feel comfortable working together and I think that as the university is trying to protect itself um, they have to wonder what is the NCAA okay with the university doing as it uh, pertains to the collective. And this guidance helps the university better understand how they can keep from being in trouble but also supporting their student-athletes at whatever level they can. When the NIL started here in the last year and, and people evaluated how it was going, a lot of people felt that Auburn originally kind of got behind the eight ball, that they, they didn't get off to – the best start with the collective but over the last year we've seen it gradually change to where now it's perceived that Auburn is in a much better place than most schools out there is that kind of a fair characterization and just talk about the health of, of the program right now yeah you know so I can't speak to a lot of how it was when it first began um, I was I was not in Auburn at the time but you know I think the first thing that that I'd like to say is I appreciate Rick Davidson um, and NIL Auburn for being a pioneer in this space for Auburn and and Rick and his staff really took this on and and like I said pioneered it for Auburn I can see how a lot of universities had uncertainty in how to in how to deal with this. Um, there, there's not been a lot of guidance. I think there's been maybe four documents that the NCAA has sent out about name, image, and likeness. They've not given the the universities a lot of um, clarity or, or or governance on this at all. And so, you know, you have to understand the university is is trying to balance institutional policy, SEC rules, NCAA rules, state laws. You know, Alabama had a law, then they repealed it. So there's just a lot of uncertainty with this, and, and Auburn wants to do things the right way, and we appreciate that. I'll say since, since I've joined um, – 
we've had great synergy with the university, with the compliance office. Rich McGlynn has, has really done a great job of keeping us in the loop on, on how things are evolving and how we can be uh, really aligned in this. Uh, we're talking with Brett Whiteside here uh, from On to Victory, uh, Auburn NIL, NIL Collective. Uh, Brett, one thing I wanted to uh, talk about, you mentioned uh, about how you uh, – as, as a group of On to Victory that you help these uh, student athletes, it's not just the money aspect, but you also educate them in certain aspects. A concern that I had always had once this NIL started were uh, student athletes that come that have never had to do anything like pay taxes, have never had these adult situations run into having a lot of money all of a sudden presented to them. Uh, you guys do a very good job on uh, making some requirements. As you mentioned, there's requirements that they have to go through. Uh, if you could just talk a little bit about some of the requirements that these uh, these athletes have to go through and, and specifically you know, when it comes to having to pay taxes and learn some of the adult aspects that come with earning money. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the first thing that's important to highlight is that On to Victory was founded by seven Auburn alums really similar to you, that they just have a, a shared passion for Auburn right. and a passion for student-athletes. One of our board members is a former golfer at Auburn. And so they can really um, empathize with our student-athletes, what they're going through, and, and um, helping them uh, guide them along in the areas that, that they're not uh, familiar with. So we have a, a um, an opportunity for every one of our student-athletes to have – their paycheck put into a simple tax savings account and we'll remit that quarterly to the IRS for them and to the state. And so that's a great benefit for them. This next year we're going to roll out on to Victory University and it is going to be six mandatory seminars that each of our student athletes are going to have to attend. And it's going to teach them personal and professional development um, provide them with those opportunities so that they can grow in the area of of taxes and investments and um, personal branding and that sort of thing. So we're excited about that. Education is a shared responsibility between the collective and the university, and we're going to work closely with them on ensuring that Auburn student-athletes get the greatest education around NIL possible. What does participation look like right now, Brett, with, with the number of student-athletes yeah. currently on Auburn's campus? It feels as though on social media we have seen sort of an uptick in a number yeah. of student-athletes announcing that they were going to be partnering with On to Victory. What does your participation numbers look yeah, like right now? Yeah, we've grown. We're at about 140 student-athletes right now. That's awesome. 12 sports. Um, we're, we're thankful to, to a lot of donors who have decided to support – Excuse me. Uh, to have decided to support specific sports and student athletes, so we just offered an NIL deal to every women's basketball player, to every men's basketball player, to every volleyball player, uh, to every gymnast, and so we're supporting at a really high level right now. And it's thankful to donors who have stepped up and said, "I really want to support these specific sports." Where are these donors coming from? What? How, how are people getting involved, and how are they getting plugged in? Yeah, we have multiple ways that people can give. You go to our website at ondavictory.com. The number one way right now, we're encouraging people to sign up through our membership option, become a subscriber at an entry level of thirty-four dollars a month. There's also uh, four additional tiers that you can set up, and each tier has its own level of benefits. But then you can give uh, through one-time donations and earmark them for specific sports, or you can be a part of our major fund raising campaign right now <clears throat> excuse me i'm getting over a little bit of a cold uh you know <laughs> me as well that's i mean we're good yeah in yeah. this in this uh 
my career's been in football, and you, you know, you never get sick. Yeah. <laughs> That's something that Gus would always say. You know, I'm I'm not sick. I'm never getting sick, even though everybody's walking around hacking around on each other. <laughs> you know, everybody's sick in the middle of the season. But um, yeah, so this is um, major. You can they can get participating through our major fundraising campaign and reach out to us uh, through email for that. So you mentioned thirty four dollars a month base level to be involved That's and right. to to get at what what are. What are you getting with that 34 Yeah, you know, the, the number one benefit, and we list it right there on the website, is that it, that you know that at least 90% of every donation is going directly to the student-athlete. And that's a model that's different than a lot of collectives. You know, we're a not-for-profit model. It was set up by the board so that no board member would ever uh, receive anything um, for compensation and never benefit financially at all and that at least 90% of all donations would go to the student-athletes, meaning that we will have minimal overhead, you know, we have staff and, and, and rent, and that's, that's the, about as much as we can do with our 10% model right now. So that, uh, that's the number one benefit. And then there's opportunities for personal appearances, virtual appearances, um, attend some of our player meet and greets, uh, apparel through our team store. So the, the, the benefits increase as, as you go through each level, but those are kind of your entry level. You mentioned kind of looking at this $34 a month model, and you mentioned, you know, look, you've got 90% that are going to go directly to the student-athletes, 10% of which you've got some operating costs that go into that and that sort of thing, rent being one of them, because you guys do have an office space, yeah. Brett. And you mentioned these one-on-one -on -one meetings that you're having with student-athletes. Why is that so important? And yeah. is that going to change at all in the coming years when we learn more about NIL? Tell us a little bit about some of those meetings that you get to have with the student-athletes. Yeah, absolutely. So we bring in the guys and, and girls into our office at least once a month okay and uh, you know we our first initial conversation um, is just over the contract and and the way we set up our contracts and um, we want to support our student athletes at the highest level possible we're not going to uh, ask for total exclusivity with their deals we want them to go out and make as many nil deals as possible um you know that's that's something that we also try to educate them on is don't think of the nil collective as all of your nil income i mean there are some student athletes out there that are doing a great job with local regional and national brands engaging with them uh, we think that's the next piece is for businesses to to really start to lock in on Auburn student athletes as great band ambassadors, brand ambassadors for them or influencers. So um, we bring them in and we and we talk through talk through those things with them. But then they have their fulfillment requirements. So they have autographs that they have to complete, uh, video clips that they have to to do, and social media posts. So it's important for us to be right there on campus to make it convenient for them. Um, and uh, just excited to serve them in that way. We hear coaches often asked about what they want to see done with NIL, and you mentioned only getting a few uh, notices from the NCAA, just a, a few times they've reached out with some guidelines and that sort of thing. We know governments are going to get involved and uh, even U.S. senators talking about what they uh, would like to accomplish with it. What would you personally like to see done? Do you want some more guidance on how things need to be done or just what would help uh, not only on to victory but just other NIL collectives yeah we had coach Toberville came and, and spoke to our board meeting a couple months ago and and he just talked about how you know he'd like to see a bill that that uh, that even the playing fields a little bit um, whether or not that's going to be allowed is yet to be determined you know he's got a got to create a bipartisan bill that doesn't get shot down by the Supreme Court at some point. But I think the number one thing that it can do is is level 
um, the playing field as far as the state laws. You know, what, what a lot of people don't realize is you know, Alabama has no state law because they repealed it. Florida has a law that's different than Georgia's law, that's different than Missouri's law, that's different than Mississippi's law. And so I don't love the fact that we're all kind of playing by different rules and laws because when you don't have a law, you refer back to institutional policy. Well, our institutional policy is different than Alabama's and different than Troy's and different than UAB's. So I think the one thing that the federal bill can do is just even everything out. Eight days ago, On to Victory had a roll On to Victory day. Here we are chatting with Brett Whiteside, the executive director of On to Victory. What did that day look like? Yeah, roll on to victory day. Roll on to victory day. A lot of people uh, love the fact that we were using roll. <laughs> and uh, if, if that bothered some people, you know, I, I hope that they understand where it came from. Sure. Rolling Tumors Corner is a unique Auburn tradition. It's exciting for us to, to tailgate, watch the game win, and then go roll tumors. And we want people to think about rolling tumors and winning being synonymous with supporting our student athletes through on to victory and NIL. And so the push uh, last Monday was really about awareness. I thought that our marketing team's done a great job of, of providing awareness of who we are, what we stand for, what we're trying to do, um, and the ways that they can get involved. And so we continue to hope that people will engage with us through our membership platform and through other ways to give so that they can stay informed and that they can support our student-athletes. All right, so with all of this, we're able to put together a, kind of a fun play on words, Brett, with, with rolling on to victory. The collective itself, I've heard you talk a good number of times, what I've never heard discussed, and I want to have this conversation here, I could put two and two together, right? Like this name, on to victory, I could see the five song tie-in and that sort of thing what were those conversations like when you have to decide okay we're this nil collective what in the world are we going to call ourselves how did you settle on on to victory yeah i can't take the credit for that uh that was our board that yeah. came up with that name before i joined um but i'm just so excited about the, the the name choice sure you know obviously it's a part of our fight song and it has victory right in it and i don't think that um anyone can disagree that um, winning and more victories will come with those who support at NIL at a high level. When you talk about this Auburn football coaching search that's currently taking place, a lot of people have questions in regards to, okay, this, this coach wants to make sure the NIL collective is in a good spot to be competitive when it comes to winning championships on the field. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I thought uh, John Cohen spoke a little bit about it um, when he was hired, our new athletics director, and that when you have a strong NIL collective, it, it makes the job more attractive. You know, administrators and coaches alike want to be at a place that can win championships. And we know Auburn can do that. We've done that. We have great facilities. We have a great campus, great place to live. Uh, long history and in, in tradition of, of winning and putting players into the next level. Uh, getting a great college degree and, and having a great career after. And the next piece of this is NIL. And, you know, as a coach is coming in and he's thinking about all the different things that would make him choose a certain school, whether he's going to stay at his existing school or, or go to a new one and, or choose Auburn, one of the first questions is going to be how strong is the NIL collective? Because that is going to directly impact his ability to – attract student athletes and again not by inducing them not by saying hey we'll pay you this to come here but by saying look at the headlines that our collectives are making they're going to support you at a very high level once you sign with us 
How much pride do you take in that, getting this opportunity? I mean, we talk, we're going to get to your career in just a second, all the years that you served on the football staff, but knowing that you've been tasked with this mission of being the executive director of, of an, a collective that's really getting jump-started here. Yeah, absolutely. It's very, very rewarding, very humbling. I'm so appreciative to our board of directors who, who chose – me to to be in this position i I take it uh with a you know a lot of pride and 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 a lot of effort goes into this and um, they really laid the foundation this is seven great auburn people who um, were doing this all as a as a side job and they've all been successful within their own careers but i'm just excited to get the opportunity to be in this position we have a great staff um and and just excited about the future for sure now brett your your background comes on the football side but obviously this is stretches across all athletics but uh you know working in and dealing with a guy like bruce pearl i mean how how has that been and how, how is bruce to work with when it comes to working with his players in, in this nil deal well i don't know if anybody's ever said a bad word about bruce <laughs> especially at auburn here lately so bruce is phenomenal in everything that he does he's he's uh his passion is is unmatched and and the way he's been so supportive of nil and its importance and you know he's had some capital projects that he's been willing to right. to put on hold as nil really gets going and you know that's that top-down alignment that i was speaking to earlier that if we're going to really be successful in this in this space it's those types of sacrifices that are going to have to happen and we're appreciative of him and, and his vision and understanding that we are in everything school and we're going to be in everything collective and support auburn student athletes i know coach pearl's been outspoken about this and and right there hand in hand we've seen a couple of um photos and videos with coach butch thompson as well in auburn baseball another college world series run this past year but baseball trying to uh find a way to be competitive there because this is a sport where you talk about kind of scholarships for student athletes and baseball gets so finicky with how you divvy up those scholarships and that sort of thing that these football programs are getting the headlines with nil but even a sport like baseball can greatly benefit when it comes to ways to uh kind of compensate your players yeah absolutely you know I'm a baseball fan as well and enjoyed going to to watch them in the College World Series this past year. Um, But it absolutely can have as much or greater of an impact on baseball than any other sport. And you hit the nail on the head. You know, Auburn is at a disadvantage from our peers right now. You know, Georgia has the Hope Scholarship. You know, Vanderbilt has need-based aid. Um, Mississippi has reciprocal tuition rates. And there's a lot of things that puts Auburn at a disadvantage that now – with NIL, we could be we could have an advantage. No doubt about that. All right, Brett Whiteside's here, the On to Victory Executive Director, formerly on Auburn's football staff as a Director of Recruiting Operations before being promoted to the Director of Football Ops. What do you miss most about being on a, on a football staff? I think it's probably just being around the players, the camaraderie of the team. Um, you know, I went from working with about 40 people every day walking up and down the hall to there's three of us in the office now (laughs) you know and jason campbell's working remotely from atlanta but um that's the biggest difference um but i've thoroughly enjoyed where i'm at and what i'm doing it's making a difference in a different way and it's an opportunity to impact instead of 120 student athletes 550 and that's exciting where were you at for the kick six so I was on the sidelines. Um, Chris Lowe caught a picture of me with my hands on my head and, and mouth wide open, standing beside Dana Marquez with his arms folded and a frown on his face. And we got some, <laughs> we got some pretty good, uh, 
social media hits on that. But yeah, we're standing right there on the sidelines. It went right by us, and I think everybody just said, "Wow." <laughs> what a play. What a way to end a ball game. We all knew that, that that's the way the game can end. Obviously, that's why we put him deep, and Coach Malzahn was wise to do that, and, and the rest is history. What were game days like for you as the director of football ops? So, um, really – you know, team travel is a is a big role right. for the for the ops director. So you're you're talking about waking up at six a.m. to make sure that everything was in line for the pre pregame meetings, and then the pregame meal, and then the bus is scheduled, and then going through Tiger Walk, and then we have a hundred and ten minute meeting with the officials before a game, and going out on the field and walking the field, and making sure that everything's in order for the team as they come out, and then kind of orchestrating the pregame warmups with the strength coach, and so just some really logistical types of things that you're doing on game day and then once you get to kickoff you know it's just kind of wait until the end of the game make sure the the post-game meal is ready to go and then get on to the next day and you have to be on the sidelines for a couple of uh, really special Iron Bowl victories, yeah. which I know we're hoping we'll see another one of those coming up on Saturday. Tough in Tuscaloosa, but yeah. uh, but nonetheless, it's always fun when we get to Iron Bowl week. Yeah, I've been a part of a fun one there in 10, and uh, you know, got a lot of lot of hope and belief in uh, Carnell and, and look forward to seeing him coach hard with these guys. I certainly can't wait to see how all that plays out. All right, and then look at this. Uh, Brett Whiteside's here with us going for a doctorate degree yeah. as well coming up in May. Wow. Yeah, I've got a, I got a, you got really, a busy plate right now, man. I do, I do. I've got a, I got a really uh, patient uh, chair uh, committee of my of my dissertation, uh, and it's it's taken me a while, um, but I'm looking forward to finishing it up. It's it's something that I've enjoyed doing. It's it's kept me involved in the literature, and I'm doing my research on student athlete preferred coaching leadership styles and something that I think is pretty interesting. And a native of Southside, Alabama. Where in the world is that? Speaking Southside. to a North Carolina native well, and myself. I know, I, I know I have, that's it. I'm yeah. clueless. I know that you had been able to educate me, Tom. Well, I'll tell you this little story. When I met my wife at school in Auburn, uh-huh. and I told her I was from Southside, she thought I meant Southside of Birmingham. <laughs> and I had to I had to let her know that that was Southside of Gadsden in okay. Etowah County, Northeast Alabama. Okay, good deal. And on to Auburn you went, and yeah. here you are rolling with on to victory. Yeah, we we have to pass through every time we go up to Boaz yeah. uh, with my girlfriend. We have to go through Southside. So I'm like, yeah. Highway 77. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> right. the river. That's right. Right, right through there. There you go. Well, Brett, thank you so much for coming in yeah. and hanging out with us, telling us a little bit more about this On to Victory Auburn NIL Collective. The uh, the time has been greatly appreciated today. Yeah, War Eagle. Thank you very much. War Eagle. That's War Eagle. up. Brett Whiteside. We need to take our first commercial break of Sports Call today. We've got your phone calls to get to. Uh, coaching news going lore it feels like and of course a big iron ball coming up on saturday tom pv ryan the boy i'm jj jackson back in a moment here on sports call Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Sammy Coates, former Auburn football player and all-SEC wide receiver, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Welcome back into the program. J.J. Jackson here inside the studio with Tom Peavy and Ryan LaVoy. Our thanks again. Brett Whiteside joining us in the building here. The On to Victory Executive Director. Auburn, their collective that's in place. Again, important to point out they are their own LLC, unaffiliated legally with Auburn University, uh, but doing everything they can to take care of the Auburn University student-athletes, providing awesome opportunities. And if you go to ontovictory.com right now, you can start with a base-level subscription model, $34 a month to help support Auburn Athletics. Our thanks again to Brett Whiteside for joining us there in studio. Fun conversation with them, guys. I feel a little bit smarter about this NIL stuff because there's a lot to learn when it comes to all this yeah there's a lot to learn and uh you know i'm i'm glad i was able to ask him and he was able to answer kind of some of the questions that people have about nil and how it works uh you know and some of the i guess concerns about uh uh, what happens with these kids once they have the money and do they know what to do with it you know obviously he spoke about the education and the uh, how they're going to teach these kids, make them go through seminars so that they can learn different things, but also just to kind of get rid of some of the misconceptions on uh, this. Uh, it, it, this is not a pay-for-play. This is not a. Uh, this is not going out and going to the top five-star recruit out there and going, "Hey, we're going to pay you X, X amount of money yeah. to come here to Auburn." That's not how this works. That's not how the NIL collective works. It's something separate. It's when the athletes are, are are here. Like you said, they've never spoken to a recruit before. Right. Ever. Exactly. Never spoken to a recruit. They let the coaches do that. What that collective is is something that they can they can show these athletes potentially that are coming to Auburn and say, this is here. When you come to Auburn and sign, these are the opportunities that you have. But this is not a, we're going to give you X amount of money to come to Auburn. That's not how this NIL works. Because the NCAA does still have rules and regulations and compliance things that are in place to prevent that and you know it's what's available and it still is relevant though how much you have available because obviously wisdom is present and if you've got 50 million available versus 10 million or 30 million versus 5 million or 30 million versus 15 million that's more that's more opportunities to go around for everybody not just one particular person but obviously the you know it it helps you know as he said as brett said you know it it, ha- it helps other sports too because auburn right. baseball is a perfect example that's the example he gave uh, of uh, auburn's done a great job recruiting but limited by scholarships and uh this can be a leg up for them in that department but obviously it's always going to come back to getting tied with football and the opportunities of the big money football players and that sort of thing and that's always going to be relevant and and look again that's been at the forefront of the issue with with why auburn is a very attractive place not only for the players but also for prospective coaches because they do know they have that strong support system. Thanks again to Brett Whiteside for stopping by and joining us in studio. All of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender, 334-887-3401 locally. First caller due up today, we've got our good pal. James from Montgomery. James has called into the program. Hi, James. 
Hello, and War Eagle. War Eagle, sir. Yeah, I'm actually counting the days down to the Iron Bowl. I'm going to be in Tuscaloosa. Well, I'm already here in Tuscaloosa, so I'm going to be going to the game as well. You're already in Tuscaloosa. Yes, I'm in Tuscaloosa, and I've been seeing a lot of Alabama fans wearing a lot of Alabama gear before the game, and they are not happy. They're not happy? Why are they not happy? Well, because they know that they're going to lose the Iron Bowl once again. Yeah, we haven't won there since 2010. It's been a long time since uh, we played in the Iron Bowl. Yes, it has been a long time. Or one in Tuscaloosa, I should say, yeah. Yeah, so I think this one will be our first time ever of winning in the, in the Iron Bowl up here in Tuscaloosa. And I know a lot of fans, I know from Auburn, I know we're going to bring a lot of energy and a lot of um, fire, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of good things coming with with the uh, crowd noise. So I think it's gonna it's gonna actually be a, a really good battle between Auburn and Alabama as well. So what are you doing there in Tuscaloosa? What made you want to go to Tuscaloosa to be at the, the Bryant Denny? Um, well, actually, I haven't been inside the stadium for a very long time, and it will be my first time ever getting to experience the Iron Bowl in person as well. You have family there? Yes, I actually do have family here in Tuscaloosa. I'm actually uh, visiting my sister for a while. Awesome. All right. Well, that's very exciting, James. What do you think the score is going to be? I would have to say the score will be 54 to 24. Auburn wins? Auburn wins by two touchdowns. 54 to 24 is 30 points. That's more like yes. four plus touchdowns. Yes. Yes. So it's, um, yes. Four, four, four t- touchdowns as well for this Iron Bowl, uh, um, for this big game as well. So it's, um, it, it's, it's something that I'm going to, you know, take in and take all the sights and sounds and, uh, you know, be happy if, if Auburn wins the game and will storm the field in Brian Denny Stadium as well. Tell me something else that's on your mind, James. Well, I know that the men's basketball team is really doing really good, and I know that they play a game tonight or tomorrow. I'm not quite sure. Tonight. In about an hour they play. Yeah, so I think they're going to win this game tonight because I'm actually going to be watching it on YouTube uh, live. I'm going to be streaming the game live on YouTube, so I know that we're going to win, and I'm hoping that we'll get some uh, great you know, reactions yeah. from from that game as well. If people have YouTube TV, they can watch the game on the CBS Sports Network. Auburn is playing in Cancun, Mexico. Okay, yes, I I did see that, and I if I was there in uh, at that game in Cancun with them on the on court side with Bright, uh, with Bruce Pearl and the rest of the guys on that team, I would love to bring the energy to to Auburn as well because that's what I always do. I bring a lot of energy to to the Auburn fans as well. And in basketball, you really need it on the defensive end. We've got to be motivated to get behind that Auburn defense when they're trying to keep Bradley from scoring. Yeah, so I think with that, I think Bradley is a good – well, they're not a good school, but I think this will be Auburn's first time ever playing against Bradley University. So I'll just have to see when was their last time that they actually uh, meet in, in basketball. I have to look at the highlights from that.
Yeah, and then, uh, of course, they'll have a game being played tomorrow as well. These two teams have met twice before. Auburn is 2-0 all-time against the Bradley Braves. Yeah, so I think Auburn is really going to take um, a good, uh, clean uh, game. And I know this one is going to be a really good good game as well because I know it's played in uh, Cancun. So I'll probably see them actually, you know, making it to the – to the March Madness tournament um, next year in 2023 as well. Any other thoughts for us? Um, well, I actually do have some thoughts for y'all as well because I'm with the Iron Bowl um, weekend coming in this weekend. I would like to have some Auburn uh, Iron Bowl trivia. Sounds good. We'll get that prepared in just a moment. In the meantime, I want to let you know we will not have a show on Thursday or Friday. Tomorrow will be the last day to call into the show as uh, we're going to get time off and uh, be able to celebrate the Thanksgiving holiday with our friends and family. What's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Um, I would have to say cranberry sauce. Really? Yes, cranberry sauce and um. And, See, I'm uh, not the stuffing. biggest cranberry sauce fan. What was that that you said? Cranberry sauce and what? Stuffing. Um, stuffing. Stuffing. Okay, I do like mm-hmm. stuffing. I'm a big fan of that as well. Yeah, so it's going to be a really good um, Thanksgiving weekend for me as well. And I'm going to um, watch my Cowboys play against the New York Giants. That's right. On Thanksgiving Day, you get to watch the play. You prefer ham or turkey? I would have to say ham for this one. Same. I, I if I could choose either of them, I'm gonna I'm gonna See, lean towards ham. We go ham for Christmas and we go turkey for Thanksgiving. But do do you just go ham for both, James? Um, I actually do um, ham for Thanksgiving and turkey for Christmas. Interesting. Okay. Interesting combination you have there. Yeah, so it's um it, it's really going to be, um you know it's going to be a good uh, Thanksgiving weekend as well, and then tomorrow I will be on Wednesday I'll be going to the movies, um and actually watching a really good movie that's going to be coming out tomorrow, which is Devotion. It's one of the best military movies ever. That's going to be fun for you to get the opportunity to watch that. I'm sure that uh, you'll really enjoy watching that movie. James, here's your Iron Bowl trivia. You ready? I am. When was the last time Auburn won at Bryant-Denny Stadium? What year was the last time that Auburn won at Bryant-Denny Stadium? I would have to say that would be 2010. Very good. Very good. Do you remember who the quarterback was for Auburn that year? Um, I think I do know the quarterback for Auburn and Alabama on Alabama's quarterback. Um, for their team was Matt, uh, Greg McElroy. That is, he's now a sports commentator for the SEC Network. And who played quarterback for Auburn in 2010? That would be no other than Nick Marshall. Oh, not quite. Not quite. You want to try another guess? Um, I'll take another kick at this one. Okay, kick it. Who is it? I would have to say Cam Newton. There you go. There you go. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. All right, here's your next trivia question. What year in the Iron Bowl was the kick six? Um, y'all were talking about this just a few minutes ago, and I think this was 2013. Very good. Very good. All right, your next question, James. From 2002 until 2007, 
How many Iron Bowl games in a row did Auburn win? From 2002 to 2007. How many so, Iron Bowl games in a row did Auburn win? All right, so that's one, two, three, four, five. Six would be the answer. They won six Iron Bowl games in a row. 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, and 2007. A six-game winning streak for Auburn. Very impressive. Yes, it is um, I actually do have the question for the Iron Bowl oh, okay. and their locations. The Iron Bowl was actually played in three locations. Their first location that they actually played in their neutral site was in Legion Field in Birmingham. And then prior to that, they actually switched it from Legion Field and they went to Auburn, and then they played in Tuscaloosa and back and forth as well. And then their last uh, location was in Montgomery, Alabama. That's right. Well. That was pretty cool that they got to play in Montgomery. Yes, as well. And this was actually um, a very – when they actually played in Montgomery, this was um, – Alabama's first time ever losing to Auburn in Montgomery because they had to take a train from Birmingham to Montgomery at the time. Very good stuff. Well, James, we certainly appreciate you uh, giving us a phone call here today on the show today and look forward to talking to you soon, okay? All right, sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle, indeed. There's our pal James from Montgomery joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 if you would like to call in and be a part of Sports Call. we got about five or six minutes left in the opening hour as we go to the phone lines. Next up. War Damn Steve. Retired War Damn Steve is here to join us in the opening hour, an hour in which we've chatted with Brett Whiteside. Still to come, we've got birthdays in sports and nightly TV guide and eric mcdade will be on the show with us a little bit later as well let's go to the phone lines and here is war damn steve hello steve okay hello guys and you think already a minute of my time there <laughs> um all right hey uh mr boy yes sir well kind of forever you need to see it i uh, i've not been watching all the marvel movies so i probably will not end up seeing black panther 2 okay then uh moving on how about this Really, really uh, interesting uh, billboard that uh, is up at uh, Huntsville. Have you seen it? I just saw it uh, uh, on a blogger. He posted it. Uh, that's the one with uh, Cadillac on there about rockets. Yeah. Rockets yeah, and Cadillacs. This year, right. So this year we're grateful for rockets. And Cadillacs. Cadillacs. That's right. Happy Thanksgiving from the Auburn Engineering Department. Oh, yeah. So I thought that was uh, pretty neat. Guys, I heard your comments earlier about uh, the Twitter, and I was reading them all. I mean, people were going crazy last night on uh, blog posts uh, that uh, some guy who's a TV anchor uh, in Mississippi, I guess, was saying that it was a done deal, right? And uh, I heard your comments, and then I, I saw this tweet. Uh, now, did you say that that was a false tweet? It was a fake tweet by uh, uh, John Sokoloff? Well, no, no. The, the John Sokolov uh, is the sports director for the TV station that he works for there in Mississippi. Um, what he tweeted out was not fake. I mean that 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 was real. That was him reporting that um, 
and and, and jumping the gun you know I, I believe personally that jumping the gun a little bit too quick on on that reporting but that was not fake that that, that was legit okay well here's another tweet from a person named Steve Robertson do you know of him or do you do you know about his credibility because on his Twitter he said I see a few people out here bashing at John Sokoloff in these Twitter streets no matter what happens I can assure you that he would never report something unless he believed it to both to be true and well sourced he's not the kind of dude to just report something to watch the world burn uh, this was a said uh, tweeted I guess last night uh, and apparently some people said that he is uh, quite close to Mr. Cohen. Guys, what do you know about Steve Robertson? Yeah, uh, first off, we will say that um, John was very quick on the tweets about uh, Mr. Cohen coming over as uh, Auburn's athletic director. And then Steve Robertson is uh, one of the lead reporters for the Mississippi State 24-7 sports boards. He has been covering Mississippi State athletics for a really, really long time and is very plugged in there in the state of Mississippi. There's his background for you. Okay, and then some other people are tweeting, and I don't know how credible they are, of course, that uh, there was a team meeting uh, that Lane Kiffin had and met, and that uh, the, the players were told um, nothing about him leaving, and then other people said, no, there was no team meeting, uh, it was all fake. Guys, do, do you know any, anything that's credible about what's been going on? Uh no, <clears throat> um, I, just from following the Auburn message boards, they're uh, pulling a lot of stuff from the other uh, Ole Miss boards. And uh, one particular writer that, that I've seen a lot is Neil McCready, who actually used to be an Auburn beat writer back in the day. And right. he's now one of been the Been on the show a number of times. Yeah, Neil's been on our show. Um, and Neil's very much in, in touch with the pulse of what's going on there. Uh, I believe Neil McCready mentioned something about there being a team meeting today, but there's no word on what was said now there is a a fake twitter account out there that is a i think it's called rebel grove uh collective or something like that it's kind of interesting kind of interesting that we just had you know our uh brett whiteside here with the on on to victory collective it's a fake twitter from uh, Ole miss collective that says that there's a team meeting and that he had told the players he was coming back and was signing a contract extension. That That is a fake Twitter account that a lot of people are jumping on and, and running with. So you got to be careful with, with what you read. Uh, apparently, Neil McCready said something along the lines that there was a meeting, but there's no word on what was said. So... Um, so did you happen to read uh, the uh, tweet, I guess it was official, or uh, uh, I guess legitimate, from uh, Lane Kiffin yesterday in response to John Sokoloff saying, uh, news to me. Yeah. No, oh, I, I saw all of it last night. I, I was right there. kind of Fun to the, follow along. Yeah. I, I, I just happened to be looking at it when it all started popping off. And, uh, right. yeah, 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 Lane and Kiffin came fun. back and said, yeah, that was news to yeah, me. John and is leaving uh, the, uh, the TV anchor. Yeah, yeah. And then Lane started trolling him, which, you know, I, I wish Lane would just keep his mouth shut. Uh, if he's coming to Auburn or not, don't just don't respond to that type of stuff because it's kind of putting it's putting people in a situation is it's you know it's putting Ole Miss in a bad situation it's kind of putting Auburn in a bad situation if they legitimately have an offer ready to go for Lane Kiffin um, it, it's kind of one of those you just need to stay tight lipped on it and not say anything let Sokolov do his reporting and and people can speculate on it but once Lane starts coming out and saying things then it it starts getting a little weird. Yeah, well, finally, you know, uh, speaking of Cadillacs, uh, that would be my Christmas wish that uh, we uh, somehow upset and uh, win the Iron Bowl. Um, now, we do have a chance. 
according to ESPN's FPI uh, index, uh, they give us a five to four, five point four percent chance of winning. So there you go. Uh, there's always there's always a chance. Five four five point four. Yeah. Um, but Kobe wouldn't invite it. He says we know nobody's given us a chance in hell to win this. So now we're playing with house money, and we're going to be able to play free. And we know that our back's against the wall, and we're anxious. He said just to get on the field and show what we can do. So there you go. And I love Cadillac's uh, final words. He said he woke up yesterday morning and said he had finally uh, he grasped that he. He's actually going to be the head coach in an Iron Bowl game that he never thought yeah. he'd ever yeah. be, and he'd be the first black head coach. So I'm happy for him. And with that said, guys, uh, thanks for your time. I know my time is way up, and I just hope we find out one way or the other uh, after the Iron Bowl, if not sooner, who our new coach is going to be. Talk to you tomorrow, so, Steve. With that, guys, y'all have a safe afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow. And, uh, War Eagle, no matter what anybody else tells you differently. We appreciate it. There's our good power retired Roy Dam Steve joining us there on the program. Uh, our, our buddy Nathan King from 247 Sports dropping a little nugget a little a couple minutes ago. Auburn wide receiver Landon King has withdrawn from the transfer portal. Big news. Yeah. Big news. A lot of people excited about the potential that he has. Had a big catch in the Penn State game, uh, but uh, appears he'll be coming back to play another year for Auburn. All right, we've reached the end of hour number one. Alongside my good friends Tom Peavy and Ryan LaVoy, my name is J.J. Jackson. One hour of the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call getting started right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson with Tom Peavy and Ryan LaVoy. It's been a fun show. We've had Brett Whiteside here in studio. Eric McDade set to join us here in just a little bit. And fellas, uh, it's Iron Bowl week and Auburn basketball plays here in about an hour or so. Fun things. Yeah, very much so. And we're... Uh, we're going to be looking at the the Iron Bowl matchup here, and again, it's uh, even though it's this great rivalry, I just feel like the, there's just as much talk about non football related things yeah. this week than there is the the game itself. Uh, and, and then you're right, yeah, the, the Auburn basketball team got Bradley and Cancun uh, coming up in a little bit, uh, and, and so yeah, it's uh, it's a big week. There's so much, you know, just 
the larger picture here. There's so much that goes on sports-wise Thanksgiving week. You know, I mean, you've always had for a long time Christmas Day. You've had that basketball, but but Thanksgiving you've always had football. Well, it's been bigger and bigger on Thanksgiving week to uh, integrate more basketball, and it, it feels like. I, over half the teams in the country feel like they have some sort of tournament this week. I mean, we're watching right now in the office a little four-team tournament in Daytona Beach, Florida, that's involving UAB and Georgia. You know, I mean, I mean, the, the, you know, they have a little bit of everything. It, it feels like, and you know, there's some of the bigger ones like Maui Invitational's always been this week, and Cancun Battle for Atlantis. I mean, there's just so many tournaments yeah. now this week. That's just been an uh, ever-growing. You know, culture thing with with college basketball is something pretty big tournament wise on on Thanksgiving week. ESPN calls it Feast Week for a reason because they want you to feast on food and feast on all the hoops that you're able to watch as well. We were talking about this matchup for Auburn today. They're playing Bradley. Auburn 4-0 on the year. Kim Palm measures efficiency ratings and just overall grades for basketball teams that have been played. Auburn right now is the number 18 team in the country when it comes to Kim Palm. Top 20 in the entire nation. Opponents this year for Auburn. George Mason, 138. Winthrop, 181. South Florida, 201. Texas Southern, 240. There are 363 possible slots. Bradley, 122. The Bradley Braves are the best team, according to Kim Palm, that uh, Auburn has played yet this season, and that game tips off at 5 o'clock Central. Still, though, Auburn being favored by, I think, like 12, 12 and a half points, and and still one of the weaker teams that, that is in Cancun. Um, you know, you, you, you mentioned the 120, uh, which is still not very high just because if you're 120, you're probably not getting into the NCAA or the NIT. <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, the competition does ramp up this week, even with someone like Bradley, just the inherent nature of not being at home. And we remember this team really struggled in places that were at that time not named Auburn Arena, now obviously Neville Arena. But, you know, I, I think that, it is important to see them shoot the ball well on these neutral floors. Uh, they've they've come out of the gates scuffling from three. Uh, I again I said on the show last Friday uh, while hosting, I said you're going to get sick and tired. Everyone's going to get sick and tired of me talking about shooting this year, but it's just such a major part of what Bruce Pearl's offensive scheme is about. Uh, and, and there's good and bad to it. I, I like the three pointer. Uh, I think Auburn's most historic team in their history is known for shooting the three pointer. And I think Bruce instills great confidence in his team by allowing them to shoot three pointers. However, if you're going to shoot 20 to 30 a game, you can't shoot 25% when you, when you do that. And so wanting to see them make shots from the perimeter against anybody away from Neville Arena this year is going to be valuable to me. On Friday, you also said how appreciative you were of folks who listened to Sports Call via our Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. To the phone lines we go. Joining us now on the program, we've got Chris from Valley hanging out with us. How's it going, Chris? 
JJ, I'm doing well, but I'm really, really excited when I get this button that everyone else has that has still not come on yet. Yeah, no, I was so. just thinking about that, that, uh, you know, we've got our guy Zeus, and after these holidays, I'm going to have to let Zeus know, look, Chris needs some love, and uh, I've yeah. got to find a way to have Chris from Valley. I'm just- Maybe I'll start I faking that. it until it happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we got you no, taken care of, Chris. Go right ahead. So exciting, you know, Iron Bowl this week. Uh, very, I, I don't know. I'm more excited this week than I have been all year. Obviously, it's the Alabama game. But, you know, the excitement that is coming, I mean, just what Cadillac has done the past few weeks to turn, I mean, it, it's just been incredible to to watch and see the excitement, um, you know, transfer, you know, we've, like you guys said, wide receiver, uh, not transferring from Auburn. I mean, now who knows that that, that has to do with, you know, the news, you know, potentially of Lane coming in or, or if it's cat, I don't know, but you know, it's it just, it's really nice to see some things changing. Um, I'm excited about this weekend. Who knows if we come out with a, with a win at, in Tuscaloosa, but I can tell you this, I, the boys ain't going to quit this weekend. Like, I, I do know that for a fact. I, I think we're going to play to the last whistle blows. And that's something, uh, beginning of the season, I did it. You know, well, not beginning, but probably towards the middle after the Penn State game. You know, you kind of think, you know, uh, so I, I, I got, I, I have some excitement for this weekend. But I've got a question for you guys. Okay. And I'm not talking about the speculation. I, I want to know what you guys' thoughts are. Is the Lane Kiffin news, is it a – do you guys think it's a sign-done deal? I'm, I'm not asking for a definite. I don't want you guys to put your names online, but just what your thoughts are thus far from everything you're hearing and everything. I think it's happening. Okay. I, I, I think it's happening. Um, I'm trying yeah. not to get too excited about it until it actually happens, um, until it's officially official. Um, and, and again, we're not going to be people that go out here and report things. We're reading much of the same thing that many others are. Um, it just I'm I'm of the opinion that everything seems to point in the direction right. that Lane Kiffin's going to head to Auburn. Yeah, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say the same thing. All signs are pointing to that. The John Sokolov thing that came out last night. He is a reputable journalist, and he's not just going to throw that out there unless he has a very definitive source that he trusts very much to report that. Uh, there's also the fact that Lane Kiffin has not signed or, or said anything about the uh, extension that is on it is in front of him right now, and you feel like if he was going to stay at Ole Miss, he would have already made a decision on that. So, I, I am of the opinion that it is just a matter of when, not if Lane Kiffin is Auburn's head coach, unless something falls apart between now and then. So, I got another question too. So, I. It is bad, but I'm very optimistic of Lane. Like, I, I, I'm probably one of the only Auburn fans that maybe I'm not, but everybody's excited, and, and I should be more, I guess, but I'm just very optimistic about Lane Kiffin. I, I don't know what it is. There's nothing that – I mean, I'm not going to say – I'm excited for the change in the program, but I just have Pessimistic? Yes. yes. Like, I, I mean I, – he hasn't beaten Saban yet, and granted, he's at Ole Miss. But it's just the play calling towards the end of those Alabama games. It's just it makes me question the the defensive side of the ball. 
And I, I called in a few weeks ago, and I kind of talked about this. Yes, we get a defensive coordinator. What happens when that defensive coordinator has a good year? He's out the door. I just don't think that Lane bring and, – and defense wins championships. Like, and, and maybe I shouldn't be that way. But that's just – that's the way I'm feeling right now. And, I, you know, I hope, I hope it proves me wrong because I'm an Auburn fan true and true. Um, and, I, and I hope um, – I hope it proves me wrong. But I also hope, guys, everybody wants Cadillac around the program, and I do too. But, guys, I really hope he lands a head coaching job somewhere. I really do. Whether it be a school like La Tech, whether, whether it be a Sanford, guys, he is such a great coach, and he deserves the opportunity to be a head coach somewhere. He really does. I love him. I'm an Auburn guy, true and true, but he does. He deserves, he deserves a chance at a head coaching spot somewhere. I mean, just the energy he has brung. I, he, you know, he knows schemes. He, we went back to to the I formation, and it's working. Like, guy, guy can coach. So I hope he gets a head coaching job. But guys, like always, I love you guys. I love listening to you guys, and I appreciate it. And uh, I hope you guys have a great week. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy and, Thanksgiving uh, to you as well. Thank you, man. War Eagle. War Eagle. Man. Good to hear from you. That's our good pal Chris from Valley. whole lot of love for that guy right there if you would like to be a part of the program. Defense is something that a lot of people want to bring up when you've got an offensive-minded coach, much like, hey, offense is something that you want to bring up when you've got a defensive-minded coach. Uh, but I also think this is the part where people want to talk about Lane Kiffin and being so outspoken about some defensive coordinators that he's had on his staff at Ole Miss that hasn't had the money, the capital to keep them around, and they've been outbid by other programs like DJ Durkin leaving for Texas A&M. So uh, I think Lane Kiffin is going to make wise decisions when it comes to the coordinators and staff that he would put together should he be named the next head coach at Auburn. Yeah, and I'm personally not bothered by Ole Miss not beating Alabama now and Beating o, being 0-3. Uh, they've been competitive in two of those three games. They, they obviously had an opportunity to win this, this year's game. And then uh, the very first game they played in Oxford, I think that was like 56-42 or something like that. That was back when Ole Miss defense just – did just was unbelievably awful, but yet they scored 40 uh, on that Bama team. And I think that if you're Auburn, you're thinking that you're going to end up with a little bit more talent at the end of the day than Ole Miss. You know, I mean, if you know Auburn has this NIL collective we're talking about, so Lane has gotten you know about 20th place classes at, at Ole Miss, and then he's coupled it with great transfer portal <coughs> recruiting. He had the second best portal class last year, so he's got that going for him. But the the thought is at Auburn, he's going to turn that 20th place recruiting class into 10th and 9th or 8th. And then he's going to get a top portal class. Uh, and so he'll have more talent that way. And then also, I'm starting to get a little bit more uh, unwilling to think of the Saban dynamic of it. Because at some point, and this is going to shock people, Nick Saban will retire someday. <laughs> and Are you sure? I'm sure. He is not going to live to be 150 years old. He's going to he's going to retire someday. Now, is that in a couple of years, 5 years? I don't know. But he's I believe he's 71. So realistically, is Nick Saban going to coach till he's 80? Do you really believe that? And and even if he got 
to 80 or close to 80, is he going to be as effective at that age? We've seen Bobby Bowden and Joe Paterno yeah. coach to around that age. It didn't end how it started. Okay, and so there's no guarantee you can say, well, it's different. Nick Saban's the GOAT. Fine, he is the GOAT. But that doesn't mean you don't lose some value as you age. You don't lose a little bit of it. We've seen this year that having a little lesser coordinator at Alabama is very impactful to them right now because Pete Golding has not done a great job at Alabama. Their defense has not been the same. Uh, Everyone in Alabama loves Bill O'Brien. They want both coordinators to change there. And so I'm not too worried about the can you beat Saban dynamic of it. And again, I would just direct you back to as well the, the, I mean, there's pretty good reason to believe that two or three years in at, at Auburn for Lane Kiffin will result in more talent than what's at Ole Miss after two or three years. Auburn will see Mr. Nick Saban coming up on Saturday in the Iron Bowl. As discussed yesterday, Auburn is 1-6 and six in Iron Bowls against Saban when the game is played in Tuscaloosa. We'll talk more about that matchup and other things when we return here on Sports Call. All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy. Having a whole lot of fun on this Tuesday. Uh, We're getting set to be joined by our good pal Eric McDade. We're going to cover the bases with him as we do from time to time. A lot of fun news to discuss and we're going to talk a lot about that next head football coach for the Auburn Tigers. But before we get there, I do want to make sure we celebrate some birthdays in sports. Let's get right to it. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. All right, Birthdays in Sports here today on November 22nd, 2022. Billie Jean King is turning 79 years old. The former United States tennis pro, King was born in California and began playing tennis at age 11, attended Cal State, won 129 singles titles in her professional career, 12 Grand Slam singles, 18 doubles, Grand Slam titles and was inducted into the Tennis Hall of Fame in 1987. Billie Jean King is 79 years old. Johnny Gomes is 42. The former MLB outfielder and coach drafted in the 18th round of the 2001 draft by the Tampa Bay Rays. Gomes made his debut with the team in 2003. He played in the majors for 12 seasons and was a one-time World Series champion with the Boston Red Sox in 2013. Had a great beard as well. Johnny Gomes is 42 years old. 
Joe Nathan is 48, the former MLB pitcher. Nathan was drafted by the San Francisco Giants in the sixth round of the 1995 draft out of Stony Brook University in Long Island, New York. Made his big league debut in 1999 and shut out the Marlins over seven innings in his first game. Played 16 seasons in the majors and was a six-time All-Star. He is in the Minnesota Twins Hall of Fame. Joe Nathan turns 48. Giovanni Bernard turns 31 years old, running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, played uh, college football for the North Carolina Tar Heels, where he ran for over 1,000 yards in his two seasons as a starter and was two-time All-ACC, as well as the ACC Offensive Player of the Year in 2012 for his career. With the Bengals and Buccaneers, he's got over 6,000 yards and 36 touchdowns. Giovanni Bernard is 31 years old. Did he just go on IR or come off IR? He, or? He's been out really all year long. Okay. Yeah, he's been. Sad. Yeah, he's not played at all. I hope he gets well soon and starts feeling better. I, I, I don't too. like when anybody's hurt. Hopefully he's having a good birthday today. Hope so. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is turning 26, a wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs. Smith-Schuster played college football at USC, where he began playing as a freshman in 2014 and ended his college career with an all-pack 12 selection, selected 62nd overall by the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 2017 NFL Draft. He holds several NFL and Steelers records, including the first player to ever score five touchdowns Touchdowns before their 21st birthday and youngest player ever with 1,500 career receiving yards. Juju Smith-Schuster in his first year with the Chiefs turns 26 years old today. Are you pleased with him in Kansas City? So far, so good. I hate that he left Pittsburgh. <laughs> I, I, I thought the black and gold looked great on Juju, but a, a fun target there for, uh, for Patrick Mahomes. For sure. And then finally, Prince Tegawanogo is turning 25 years old in offensive tackle, also for the Kansas City Chiefs. Wanogo was born in uh, Delta State, Nigeria, and moved to Elmore, Alabama at 14 with hopes of becoming a basketball player. He played football as well, and despite only one year of high school football, he became a four-star defensive end prospect. He signed with Auburn, redshirting as a freshman and moving to the offensive line. He became the starter at left tackle in 2017 and would start 32 games for the Auburn Tigers. In 2019, he was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles in the sixth round. Prince Tegawanogo is turning 25 years old offensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. There's our birthdays in sports brought to you by our friends at Max Credit Union. They want to help you with all of your banking needs. Birthdays in sports. Sports here today. Billy Jean King, Johnny Gomes, Joe Nathan, Giovanni Bernard, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Prince Tega Wanogo. JJ Jackson here in the studio with Tom Peavy and Ryan LaVoy. And now we've got our guy, Eric McDade. We're covering the bases with Eric McDade State Farm. DriveWithEric.com for all of your insurance needs. It's Iron Bowl week, brother. Yes, sir. Which also means it's Thanksgiving week. That's right. Look, this is a uh, this is your first year here on on the airwaves with us, and, and what a fun year it's been. And this time of year, it's really important that we throw out controversial Thanksgiving hot takes. The floor is yours. <laughs> I would like for you to present one for me. Turkey is trash. Turkey is trash. That's I'm more of a ham guy. Listen, man, I don't do the turkey. I mean, my wife makes a really good turkey. I mean, for the people that like turkey, right? It's not my thing. Turkey's man. not my thing either. You know, yeah, I, I, fried turkey? I like fried turkey. It's not bad, but you know, in general, 
when you could have it's another meat, you want to go for another meat. Yeah, so, yes. like, you know, I'm more of the ham kind of guy. No, you, know, I'm I had, you know, the turkey thing is, I, somebody earlier was telling me, shout out my friend Jasmine, she was telling me this, uh, someplace in Atlanta that has a jerk turkey, like, you know, spicy. Yeah, uh-huh. like I might be able to do that, but yeah, turkey is just, it's not for me, man. Now, do you go, since you go, well, do you still do turkey at Thanksgiving, or do you do ham at Thanksgiving? I do both. You know, you got to put a little bit of turkey on your plate. Just to say you did it. Just to say you did it, <laughs> say you had a little bit. And my wife is always responsible for making the turkey, so, you know, I, I, I have to, you know. You got to get least. brownie points with her. Yeah, I get it. exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm not a big turkey guy. I don't, you know, I don't really have a lot of other hot takes. I don't like um Cranberry sauce is pretty bad, too. Thank you. Yeah. See, I'm not a cranberry sauce guy. All right, we're all on the same page there. Uh, Good. Now, okay, one last question about ham and turkey. Do you do ham at Christmas as well, or do yes. you do something else? Okay. Absolutely, yeah. Ham ham is a staple, man. We got to have the ham. If the honey-baked ham don't come through, <laughs> I'm not going to be there. No be kidding. There. No kidding. Do you have a controversial Thanksgiving take for us, Tom? That uh, was a good one. He's getting out in front with the, uh, the ham over the turkey yeah. take. Um. And anti-cranberry sauce. Those are the top two. Yeah. Well, see, but I, I, I'm not a – just kind of along those lines, I don't like stuffing or dressing. Whether you call it stuffing or dressing. Yeah, people want to debate that. I, I think I, I use I it interchangeably. Like, like, I don't know that I necessarily I have a – It's dressing. Dressing. I call it stuffing. I don't know. Because you stuff the turkey with it sometimes. I don't know. I, I, uh, either way. I, either way. I either don't, one. Either way, I don't like it. I'm, I'm not – cranberry sauce – Stuffing slash dressing, no, no. I'm a I'm a turkey ham. My mom makes the mac and cheese, and then I usually make another side dish. That's my that's my dinner. Some buttered rolls. I used to not like stuffing slash dressing, but I've uh, I've gotten into it a little bit the last couple couple Thanksgiving, so I've warmed up on that. Sweet tea with your Thanksgiving meal? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Gotta have sweet tea. You're not doing it right. Uh, Yes, as well. (laughs) Okay. I think we're all on the same page then. There you go. I think we'd all like each other's meals then. Yes, I I, I would agree with that. Thanksgiving, a pretty big deal. Like, what are the get-together plans for the McDade family coming up on Thursday? It's always a big deal. I got a big family and a lot of my family's from around here, so it's always fun to just get together. Where are we gathering? Probably my mom's house. Mom's house. Always the spot. My mom's house is probably going to be the spot, man. That's awesome. And then we got the Iron Bowl coming up on Saturday. Yes, sir. Uh, Auburn won in six in Iron Bowls, played in Tuscaloosa against Nick Saban. Uh, The Tigers have been outscored in those meetings on average 42 to 17. Those are not competitive football games when Auburn plays Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa. No, not in large part. They've had a couple of games that have been competitive for a stretch. Uh, I remember the the one, what was it, 18 with Tua in in Tuscaloosa where Auburn's down, I think, 17-14 at half and uh, was was hanging around for the third quarter for a while. Then Tua went off in the second half. There was also that 2014 Iron Bowl where uh, Auburn lost 55-44 that you can argue it was close and you argue it wasn't close just because Auburn got a two-possession lead in that game, and then uh, that's the famous, you know, Lane Kiffin arms in the hand or arms in the air uh, before Amari Cooper has even passed Jonathan Jones in the secondary, and then Bama gets out, and I think they got as, as high as a three-score lead in the fourth before Auburn scored like last play of the game type of thing. So, you know, Auburn's had 
moments of competitiveness, but they've also gotten slopped a couple times. The Iron Bowls here uh, in Auburn are always close. I mean, it really doesn't even matter. The, the only one that was semi-not was was 2015, uh, the Derrick Henry year for Alabama. But, again, even that, I think it was 32-13 was the final, but even that, Auburn had the ball at midfield in the fourth quarter down 19-13. So even that was was result in doubt for three quarters plus. So, you know, there in Tuscaloosa, it's been harder. And look, I mean, it's it's due to what um, Tuscaloosa can be as an environment, but also what Jordan Hare is an environment because a lot of times, I mean, let's just be honest, Alabama's been better than Auburn. So most years that's been true. And so what kind of helps even things out? Sometimes a, a great home field advantage. And when you go to Tuscaloosa, that obviously does not work in Auburn's favor. And if they're already coming in as the as the weaker team, which again, this year, that's going to be the case. You know, if this was in Auburn, as you saw last year, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Auburn's It's going to be a close game we'll see if auburn makes the upset but in, in tuscaloosa the, really the only thing that auburn has going for it is the momentum that cadillac's building you know and, and the uh, positivity around the program for the first time in a couple years but just football wise i mean even though alabama maybe is one of their weaker teams under saban uh which is still saying a lot because they're nine and two still <laughs> but e- even though it's one of their perceived weaker teams i mean still just on the field, Alabama's quite a bit better. So, you know, I think, you know, it's just it, it's going to have to be about Auburn's energy and just trying to create weird plays, trying to create turnovers, <laughs> trying to make a big play that energizes the team. That's what's going to ultimately be need you're going to need out of Auburn. Yeah, I mean, I think Auburn's going to have to, like you said, manufacture some some turnovers. Uh, I mean, this is a game where guys aren't going to quit regardless, just because it's a rivalry. And, I think what what you've seen since Cadillac's been the head coach is these guys, you know, they play hard every play, and I mean, you gotta you gotta have that this week. Um, <clears throat> hopefully, we can kind of continue the formula that's worked the last couple weeks, just running the football. And, I mean, that's gonna be a lot tougher against Bama than it was against maybe A and M or or Western Kentucky. But just stick to the script, man. Try to try to run the ball, and you know, Robbie's got to limit the mistakes. Um, and when he's got some opportunities, we got to hit him. I think that's kind of one thing that we've missed maybe the last couple of weeks. You know, we've had some opportunities and he's missed some guys. But you never know what, what, what could happen in this game, man. But if we can force some turnovers and we can get our defense to, you know, play hard, just hope for – hope try to make it a four-quarter game and see what happens. There's very clearly going to be the, the uh, extra motivation, the Cadillac Williams dynamic and angle to this game and wanting to win for your coach and wanting to get that sixth one of the year and put yourself in bowl eligibility. And we talked yesterday that maybe with APR scores and that sort of thing, Auburn can still go to a bowl game this year with five wins. Regardless of all of that, of all of that, you look at this Auburn football team even if Brian Harson was still the coach, you would want to see the Tigers win in Tuscaloosa just because it's been that long. Yeah. And you real as an Auburn fan, I think you would just love to see the television images of a silenced <laughs> Bryant-Denny Stadium being upset by the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, I mean, the last time we beat... It's been too long. In Tuscaloosa, we had maybe the greatest college football player of all time. It took an incredible effort from him to even win that game. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. It's going to be it's going to be tough. I, I don't want to pick us to lose, but <laughs> it's 
it's gonna be it's gonna be tough, man. It's, it's gonna take everything they got over there yep. to, to to try to pull it out. And then we'll see what the coaching dynamic looks like as well, and and, and what that as as signing day nears, as the transfer portal window opens. Uh, right now, Auburn is projected to make it to the Liberty Bowl to play Baylor, even with a seventh loss on the season. So uh, things left to be determined and left to be played for with this Auburn football team. Is Lane Kiffin the next head coach? Is he the next head coach? Many people think he is. We said it earlier. We think he is. Uh, And we'll talk about that and a whole lot more after this next time out. You're listening to Sports Call. Tweeters. Follow our sports call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back into Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson with Tom Peavy, Ryan LaVoy, and Eric McDade as we're covering the bases with Eric McDade State Farm. Sports Call can now be heard on Amazon Alexa devices. Open the Alexa app on your iPhone or Android and tap the menu icon at the top left. Tap skills and games in the menu and search for Sports Call Auburn. Select the skill, then tap enable to use and you're done. All you have to do now is say, hey Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn and you're listening to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Let's keep covering those bases. You can find all of our previous conversations with eMoney, Eric McDade, on our website, thetiger.fm. He's got his own tab. He's got his own section and a lot of space on the website, giving him some love. Drivewithericcom What's the message you're spreading out to folks this time of year, Eric? It's holiday season, man. It is. Everybody's on the road. Um, Listen, man, be careful out there. you know, as we know, more people on the road it usually means more accidents. Um, so just really encouraging people to, I know it sounds simple, but just do the things to keep us all safe on the road, right? Defensive driving, wear your seatbelt, just that kind of stuff, man, I think is really important. Try to limit the number of, of accidents and, um, you know, keep that down during the holiday season. All of your needs, drivewithericcom He'd be happy to help you out with those. Um, let me ask you this, Eric. Mm-hmm. Is Len Kiffin the next coach at Auburn? I think so, man. That 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 Twitter thing last night was going crazy. <laughs> uh, just trying to figure it out, man. If, he's a he's an ultimate troll, so it's really hard to get a read on it. Um, it You're going to buy way. into that as an Auburn fan, though, aren't you? Oh, 100%. <laughs> I think it's a match made in heaven. I was actually just telling somebody that on text. Like, I just think it's, you know, Auburn Twitter – with Lane Kiffin, you know, doing what he does, I mean, I think it would be awesome. I, it really just feels it's trending that way, man. If you listen to his press conferences, like he's really deflecting a lot. Um, he hadn't signed that extension that apparently they put in front of him almost a week ago now. Um, it feels that way. I, and you got to just, you know, I was I listened to his press conference yesterday and <clears throat> they asked him how do you feel about winning three games against Mississippi State and first thing he said was something about the leaking facility and, 
we got a ninety-two million dollar facility, man. That thing's nice. So, you know, if you uh, he's complaining about the fans, man. We just had eighty-five thousand people in there for a game against against another three and six team. I was in there. I've been to a, a, probably fifty, sixty Auburn games in my life at least, and that atmosphere for two, three, and six teams and forty degree weather was insane. It was sold out, and you know, Ole Miss is struggling to keep fans in the stand. So if he want to come to a place where you can get to the chicken, this is where he needs to be. You where know? where so. he can have his ham and his turkey. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Hey, this is the place to be, Lane. So it feels that way, man. I'm, I'm hoping so. Um, you know, I'm not... Um, $92 million facility. Listen. Brand spanking new. I mean, what more can you ask Brand for? Brand new. You, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that, man. So... Um, he have the opportunity to come over here and be maybe go directly against Nick Saban, take him down. I think Lane would really relish something like that, man. So it looks like it looks that way. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of hoping it goes that way because I really like Lane as a coach. I know he can get in here and, and turn it around quickly as well. So yeah, you know, it's it was interesting. Every tea leave is is pointing. In the Kiffin Auburn direction, I I will not say anything definitive. I do not want to jinx this. That has been the guy I have wanted for a long time, so I am not going to say any definitives here. But when you're talking about a performance at Arkansas that was lacking focus, they had 700 yards against Arkansas and they lost because they had so many penalties and so many turnovers and so many plays called back. You know, you, you you see another press conference yesterday where Kiffin made some type of comment about not leaking in the locker room yeah. or something like, like saying, that. Yeah. Or, leaking roof or something. Leaking roof. Mm-hmm. You have him, you know, doing – mentioned to the Pine Box from the Tuberville time. Like, there's nothing good going on. And, and you mentioned also, Eric, you know, the, the contract extension that's not been signed. Got asked about this on the show on Friday by Wardam Steve, and, and he said at what point, you know, does it become, you know, telling that he's not signing it? And, you know, Steve wanted a, a quicker timeline, but I said Let, let's get through the weekend and start next week, and then if he's still not signed it, then that's gonna that's a problem for Ole Miss. Well, it's the, it's to, a day into the next week, and he's still not signed it. That's a problem for Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's clear there's interest there. And again, we've gone over all the reasons why there should be. So many people get too caught up on one to two years of results. I, I've I've said this conversation and had this argument with with many different people in the last week or two. Maybe you all have heard it. Maybe you haven't. But essentially. A couple years of, of success does not override decades of how something has been. Sure, on the football field, since Lane Kiffin's been at Ole Miss, uh, Ole Miss has been better than Auburn, clearly. Sure. That does not override the decades where Auburn was the superior program. And, you know, it would be different if Kiffin had been at Ole Miss for. 15 years and they'd won a couple national championships and had a Heisman Trophy winner and and won several SEC titles, that would be different. Ole Miss is one of four programs to have not been in the SEC title game. That has not happened. They have still not been. 
Okay, and so you can tout whatever success that Lane's had at Ole Miss and say, well, right now Ole Miss has just as much talent as Auburn. They're having more success than Auburn. That's great. But there's still a ceiling there at Ole Miss that is lower than the ceiling that is at Auburn. And that is why this is a tough decision for Lane Kiffin. Obviously, to leave somewhere, it is it is painful in some ways. He appreciates the University of Mississippi for giving him a path back into major college football after his time at Florida Atlantic. He has obviously shown there is a level of enjoyment and success that he can find at Ole Miss, going to a New Year's Six Bowl last year, having a, a competent team again this year. Like I said, one of the more successful programs in the SEC the three years that Kiffin has been there. That is all great, and those are things that that he is thinking about and, and enjoying that in his time at Ole Miss. However, again, you're already seeing that he's been frustrated with facilities. He's been frustrated with NIL money and the lack thereof. It's nothing to do with the money he's being paid. He's not happy with the resources that the University of Mississippi has. Why does the University of Mississippi not have the resources that he wants to have? It's because for the last three or four decades, they have been inferior to Auburn University. And that is the reason why right now you're looking at a situation where he is for all the world looking like he's going to go to Auburn, not because he thinks Auburn is some some diamond in the rough these last three years. They've actually got a lot of talent on the roster. If I go there, they're going to be 11-1 next year. They just need the right guidance. It's because history says time and time and time again the ceiling at Auburn is higher than the ceiling at Ole Miss. And this would be the same equation for a lot of other schools if they were coming knocking to Lane Kiffin right now because while Ole Miss plays in the SEC, it's still in the Southeast, so it has a lot of opportunities opportunities to recruit it does not have the resources in terms of facility and money that most of these other schools in big time college football in the south has and that's why if it's not this weekend lane kiffin will ultimately leave ole miss at some point because he will run out of places to go uh the other the other thing the, the resources are not there but it's also the the state law in mississippi that says that they can only sign a four-year contract mm-hmm. and lane kiffin's uh, wanting to sign something that's longer than just a four-year instead of having to keep going through this every four years so uh at auburn you can sign him to a 10-year contract so that that's also some that's a big deal right there to to not be just handcuffed to only four years so yeah i mean the the resources are there for him and uh if he's been able to have the success where he is at he's he had success at uh florida atlantic or international florida atlantic florida atlantic had the success at florida atlantic has now had the success the success at ole miss and those are places that don't have nearly the resources auburn has so you would think you would imagine that when he comes to a place that has every single resource he could possibly imagine, it seems like the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, and when you talk about that ceiling, I, I mean, it's I think it's pretty clear that Ole Miss has probably hit that ceiling, right? Going to a New sure. Year Six Bowl, you know, another really good year this year. I, I just don't think it gets much better than that at Ole Miss, regardless of of what you do. So if you start to really line up everything. You know, just history, facilities, NIL, you know, it's it's hard for me to think that he would see that Ole Miss could be a better job um, for him long term. Like you said, maybe next year he'd have a better team at Ole Miss, but, I mean, who knows? I mean, if he gets in here, you know, transfer portal, yeah. gets a couple guys to stay, you know, this could be a really competitive team next year. And then going forward, I mean, I'd love to see what Lane Kiffin could do recruiting with the resources that we have 
Um, we want this to happen. And every team you want to talk about a quarterback, I want to talk about a Lane Kiffin quarterback for Auburn University. Who the hell is that? I, I know we teased that a little bit on yesterday's show. Guys could come back. Uh, quarterbacks currently on the roster for Auburn could transfer. That's talking points for us to have in the final hour of Sports Call here today. What a fun show we're having. We're covering the bases with our guy Eric McDade. Let's take a break, and we're back with more fun right after this. Alongside Ryan. I'm the boy Tom Peavy and Eric McDade. My name is JJ Jackson. Two hours in the books, and we're rolling. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call here today on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and our guy Eric McDade as we get set to cover the bases here. One hour left to go on this Tuesday. We will not be on the air on Thursday or Friday as we get set to celebrate the Thanksgiving holiday. If you would like to be a part of the show in the final hour, call us 334-887-3401. As uh, again, we want to keep working way to the Iron Bowl on Saturday, talking about the Auburn football coaching search that is ongoing and uh, and more. So, as we get started in the final hour of the program, let's give you our daily show recap. We've already finished the first 2 hours of Sports Call today. <sighs> Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? It is our Daily Show Recap here today. Two hours in the books. Ryan LaVoy, what has happened today on the program? Uh, fun things. First, we visited with Brett Whiteside of On to Victory, the executive director of On to, On to Victory, about NIL opportunities for Auburn, how that is going, the, the NIL collective and just everything going on uh, with NIL. Also asked him and relived a few of his uh, days as uh, director of football ops while at Auburn for Coach Gus Malzahn. 
And then after that, took some of your phone calls. And then ever since, we've been chatting with Eric McDade of Eric McDade State Farm and been talking about uh, this Auburn coaching search and the Iron Bowl a little bit. And now we're about to watch some Auburn basketball in the studio and have some of that uh, like live reaction show oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, as Auburn gets ready to tip off against Bradley. So having a good time. It is a fun show so far. And again, your phone calls are always welcome. 334-887-3401. You can listen to the play-by-play of Auburn men's basketball on FM Talk 93.9. To the phone lines we go. Our first caller due up in this hour. We've got Jeff from Columbus. Jeff has called into Sports Call. Hey, Jeff. Hey, good evening, guys. Man, uh, shoot, it's, uh, I'm getting excited. It's Thanksgiving. we got a going to Birmingham. we got about 16 people. In one house, that's how boy, oh boy. Do you have a controversial <laughs> yeah. Thanksgiving take for us? Oh, I don't understand what controversial means. Like, like, what are you talking about? Well, like so like a would, food that you I, don't I, think is as good as oh, other people oh, think? Oh, or? now, oh, that's, that's my sole reason for calling in. Okay. You all are crazy. You all are crazy. What is Thanksgiving without turkey? Oh, my gosh, I mean, Jeff. Turkey. <laughs> Here's the deal. I have got two 20-pound turkeys ready to fry. You fry your turkey. You cook your ham. You get your dressing. Okay? Stuffing goes inside a turkey. Dressing is made without a turkey. You get both. You put it all on your plate with gravy. Throw the cranberry sauce out the window. Whoever brought the cranberry sauce. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, back. good. At least there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're, they're not coming back. And so, somebody with the pumpkin bread and the, and what do you call and the rolls. You got to yes. have the rolls. Some people like, now my daughter made <coughs> my grandmother's recipe. There are three rolled up balls, yeast rolls. You put into a pan and as the balls rise, they make a, you know, a biscuit, right? But I always like the biscuits. What are the ones that are divided like into eight pieces? Not the grand flakes. But you know which ones I'm talking about? I can think I can kind of picture it, but I don't know what, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I guess they come in a in a, a little box with a bag. Right. You get those. You, you can make a little ham sandwich, a little turkey sandwich. You can sop up the gravy at the end with it. It's the best thing. I'm getting hungry. So, yes, I'm starving. <laughs> Y'all you all did it. I mean, you got... Uh, Two 20-pound turkeys? Put, I mean, you got some work ahead of you, Jeff. Oh yeah, but it's that's the funnest part. That's what that's what me and my brother are going to do, watching games and stuff. Uh, and and uh, uh, man, I hope the weather holds out. Now, we will still don't know if it's will you doze off in the afternoon? Like, is that a given? Man, with that many people in the house, you can't doze off. Oh, I, I think you can. <laughs> There's not a but. Well, let me tell you, Tom, here. Eric, Ryan, you, you guys pro naps tea. Thanksgiving? Oh, you got to. I'm always yeah, taking gotta, a nap. Take a nap, and then you know you got to wake up, now, get now, your second, third plate, whatever it is. You you all said sweet tea. Well, see, me and my brother, we kind of take over. I've got three brothers, so uh, one of them's in Washington State, so he's not going to be able to make it. But the rest are going to be there. So one of them, one of them helps with the dishes because he doesn't cook. So me, but here's where the problem is, I guess. You all were talking about sweet tea, right? I know the Lord's drink goes. <laughs> yes, with fish and fowl. It's also the Lord likes wine. You know, that's true. So I'm a 
I'm a red wine Merlot kind of guy with the Thanksgiving meal. So if it, I might take a nap if I have one too many glasses. <laughs> <laughs> but but other That's than that, uh, uh, but then but then now after now, do you all eat late or do you all eat five o'clock, four o'clock, afternoon, or both? Tom. Uh, it, a little bit after midday, probably around like two o'clock, two three o'clock is when we uh, eat. Dinner. Eric, uh, you know it's <laughs> we we say one o'clock, but you know my people usually don't show up to about three thirty four o'clock. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's the way it ends up ends up going in my house. Ryan, it's it's trended earlier over the years. It used to be more of a Thanksgiving dinner, but now it's it's closer to one or two. It feels like uh, well, you know definitely before the the sun goes down. I'd say probably two or three o'clock for me in the Jacksons. Okay, see, what I guess we're just like um, we're the same. Is when you cook for that many people, it's hard to get everything warm at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So somebody's going to come over and say, "Oh, I was going to make this. I was going to make my pie real quick," and everybody goes, "Well, we're making everything else. So where are you going to do that? We bring like electric ovens." Like them, them toaster ovens. I mean, there's. I don't see how we don't blow every circuit in my house. We got stuff everywhere, and but um, but we eat probably around five or five thirty. So we we always eat a little bit later, I guess, because it takes us so long to get everything uh, set up and stuff like that. But shortly after my brother gets done with all the dishes and stuff, the poker game comes out. Oh man! Everybody's playing. Penny nickel dime poker, gosh! So uh, it, it's always it's man. I look forward to Thanksgiving. I love Halloween, but uh, Thanksgiving's a great time, holiday. I really yeah. love Thanksgiving. Yes, it really is. How long? I mean, are, I, I, this I, is my question for everybody. How long are your Thanksgiving leftovers good for? When do you? Oh, when do you uh, stop eating the leftovers? Man, I'm gonna be tired of them. As a matter of fact, we had like, did you all have like maybe a? A company party where they brought in turkey and ham. We have in the past, but not this year. Not this year, yeah. Okay. So we've already had a little... If you start a little early, you're probably going to get tired of it, I'm sure. Yes, exactly. But I have learned how to I can make make it one more day, probably. Till Saturday, potentially. But I make a, what is it, a turkey and ham uh, salad. Like chicken salad. I'll make turkey and ham salad. I can eat that for a couple of days. But, yeah, it's, uh, come Saturday, I'm going to get Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I mean, that's why I tell them. I go, I'm, I'm tired of eating healthy. I need something something else. So, But, um, man, the, the reason I did call in is wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. Same to Let you, Let everybody Jeff. be safe. And we will uh, uh, we'll talk to you on Monday or, or when. Maybe we'll have a okay, new football coach then, okay? Yeah, maybe. I still think it's going to go eight and five. Hey, you all told me a story. <laughs> you all said that Lane Kiffin had two 10-win seasons at Ole Miss. That's not correct. I didn't think it was. But maybe he was saying they had two 10-win seasons in his career. When, because he when did you think you heard that? Today? Yesterday. Yesterday. Okay. It, was, uh, it wasn't Ryan. It was uh, – yeah, Ryan's um, the genius of the bunch. Yeah, I, Ryan wouldn't have lied to me. I know. <laughs> but, but I, I, I think I, I, I think I said had, he's had the one. He had the one at Ole Miss. And I said he's on. He's on the cusp of one this year. 
I know you said that. Yes, it was Brent that said it. It actually was. And well, then so, we'll apologize on his way. behalf. Yeah. No, but I'm just saying he has had two two ten win seasons. One was at South, uh, yeah, uh, Southern Cal, and one at Ole Miss. So, but hey, I don't want you all. Heck, I I love Lane Kiffin. I love every coach you all hired for twenty years. We're coming for those Georgia Bulldogs in 2023. That's all I'm saying, Jeff. That's all I'm saying. I got you. I know. Okay. I'll be thankful. that You know, what are you thankful at Thanksgiving? I'll be thankful for the next defeat of your Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, That's that's what I'll put out there. Oh, my God. There you go. (laughs) Souring the conversation. I know. It was such a good – why did I do that? I I never – and you know that, Jeff. I never take shots at you. I know you do. It had to happen. It had to happen sometime. Hey, if I keep – Given and given, and you keep taking and taking. We can't have a good relationship. You know what I'm saying? You gotta get back every now and then. So That's true. I do, I do appreciate it, and I am thankful that you all have a, such a good show. Thank and you, let man. Me on it. Absolutely. So you all have a great, great time, and we'll talk to you later on. Good deal. That's our pal Jeff from Columbus joining us there on Sports Call. That's good stuff. We had a full breakdown of things. Universal plans. hate for the cranberry sauce. And then yeah, Love to no. See it. But there, I mean, James started the show by talking about how much he loves cranberry sauce. So he's on that island by himself. Uh, I mean, at is it least like in the, the homemade cranberry sauce I don't or, know. The, or the can, you know? I mean, they're both equally bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to eat it, maybe something fresh would be a little more redeeming. Oh, man. Uh, what we want to do right now is, uh, again, Eric's here in the studio with us. We want to talk about that coaching search still. We want to talk about the college football season coming to a close for the regular season. And we also want to talk about our Sports Call Player of the Week. Here it is. Sports Call's Player of the Week. South Carolina quarterback Spencer Rattler is Sports Call's Player of the Week, presented by Eric McDonald. State Farm. Rattler had the performance many expected him to have dating back to his time at Oklahoma as he led South Carolina to a major upset over number 5 Tennessee. Rattler went 30 of 37 passing for 438 yards and 6 touchdowns. All of those numbers are career highs for Rattler. The 6 passing touchdowns are a South Carolina football program record as the Gamecocks went on to score 63 points against the Volunteers. South Carolina's 63 points were the most by a South Carolina team against a top five opponent, the most fine unranked team against an AP top five opponent in the poll era since 1936, the most fine unranked SEC team versus a ranked SEC team ever in regulation, and also the most points allowed by the Tennessee Volunteers in an SEC game. Spencer Rattler is Sports Call's Player of the Week. There you have it, our Player of the Week. It's a segment that is proudly presented by Eric McDade State Farm, who sits with us inside our studio. And uh, Spencer Rattler, for the first time in his career, is given the Sports Call Player of the Week award. Nobody, and I mean nobody, thought that South Carolina was going to win that game on Saturday inside williams Bryce Stadium. Spencer Rattler was in his bag, dialing up incredible play after play for the Gamecocks and just a massive win on Saturday ending Tennessee's playoff chances late in the game Hinton Hooker tore his ACL all in all just a really really sad Saturday to be a Tennessee volunteer but kudos to Spencer Rattler for the performance that he put on yeah I mean look it really was out of left field because South Carolina had just been awful the week before I mean just awful they, they got drubbed by Florida. They they were terrible. Again, I'll say it again, and offensively, they were terrible yeah. against Florida. 
and then they scored all the points that they've been all lacking to score all year long in one game against Tennessee, ending their college football playoff chances. I mean, what a significant win for South Carolina and the messaging that Shane Beamer has been putting forth this year. And the hooker injury had nothing to do with the game outcome. I mean, South Carolina really had them at that point. They were up three scores in the fourth quarter, I believe. So, it, you know, it was uh, it was a drubbing. Uh, nine, South Carolina had ten possessions that were real possessions and that they had an opportunity to end. It wasn't like taking a knee or something. They scored touchdowns on nine of them. Unbelievable uh, from, from Tennessee's defense, but also for a kid in Spencer Rattler who has, from the moment he started playing college football, he's been expected to be one of college football's best. And he has had okay moments, but he's really never lived up to that. And at South Carolina this year, you know, he really has not changed their equation until this game. They, they really felt like a team that could have done the same thing with just about anybody. They were not being enriched because of his play. And then he plays awesome football. The football, everyone thought he could be capable of playing all along. Uh, he was able to play against Tennessee. And so... You know, kudos to him and South Carolina. And we live so week to week. You know, I think Shane Beamer and the sentiment on him has changed three different times this year. Kind of, you know, at first saying, oh, there's something to this, uh, you know, enthusiasm around Shane Beamer. And then saying, ah, it's overhyped. Shane Beamer, I don't know about him. And now getting this big win, it goes to show you got to let the whole season play out and collect all the thoughts. Spencer Rattler is Sports Calls Player of the Week, presented by Eric McDade, State. Farm. E-Money, have you been a Rattler guy over the years? Like, what, what have you thought of him as a player? It's real inconsistent. I mean, he's got all the talent, but uh, he's really inconsistent, man. It was, it was pretty awesome to see him put it all together this past weekend. Um, that's who he can be. Um, so maybe, he was talking uh, mess a little bit. He was counting on his fingers the number of touchdowns he was having against the Volunteers in that one. I mean, he was definitely in his back sure. with a big-time performance against those Volunteers. Spencer Rattler, our Sports Call Player of the Week. All right, uh, again, Auburn basketball right now. You can listen to the game on FM Talk 93.9. Tigers in a good pace early in this one, leading by a score of 20-9. to About seven minutes have gone by there in the first half. They're playing right now in Cancun. Again, the fifth game of the year for Auburn, unbeaten so far. All right, Iron Bowl comes up on Saturday. We think Lane Kiffin could be the next head football coach for the Tigers, regardless of who the coach is many people want to know who's going to be the quarterback next year because we talked a lot about quarterbacks this year we talked a lot about tj finley coming back for another season here's zach calzada transferring in from texas a&m nobody is talking about robbie ashford and then he goes on to be the quarterback who plays the most snaps out of anybody and all of a sudden it seems as though if you have conversations about the future of auburn football everybody's already moving on from robbie ashford as the quarterback for this program so talk to me about qb these guys for for Auburn as they get into a uh, 2023. I, I honestly I, I think whoever Auburn's next quarterback is next year I don't think is on the roster right now. Uh, I, I think whoever the next coach comes in and I'm gonna assume it's gonna be Lane Kiffin. I, I think he's gonna probably look at transfer portal and uh, and bring a guy in. Uh, Holden Gurner I think could be that um, potentially. 
but uh robbie ashford is he man the, the kid's got a lot of athletic ability to him but he's just not shown that he can be a passing threat whatsoever and that's something that this next coach is going to want to fix and and get that passing threat going so yeah i i think it's either going to be holden gurner or it's going to be somebody that's not currently on the roster eric you have a thought yeah i'm i'm in the same camp i mean i i like robbie he's really talented but um I think you probably got to look elsewhere. It'd be interesting to see what Calzada can do if healthy. Um, but I think a lot of it just really depends on who the coach is and um, probably think we're looking at bringing somebody in along with the new coach. Yeah, no no arguments over here. I mean, I, I was very much excited about Robbie Ashford taking the job from TJ Finley. I think when you see how poor the offensive line played this year, I think it dictated you had somebody that could make something out of nothing, and Ashford sure, certainly had some plays like that. As a matter of fact, a lot of his best throws of the year were under duress and on the run. He actually uh, seemed to be a little less comfortable when he got time to throw. And, I mean, because we're still talking here weeks later. I mean, he's now under 50% for the year as a passer. He went 8 of 19 against Western Kentucky. I mean, he still did yeah. not pass the ball well even this past weekend. And so I just think Astrid would have to make such a marketable gain in the passing game that it might be too much to, to expect. Um, I'm not saying that he can't come back and compete for the job, but you, you've got to bring somebody else in, uh, really, no matter who the coach is. I mean, it doesn't matter if you if you end up, you know, with whether it be Lane or Hugh Freeze or some candidates not been mentioned or Cadillac I mean it it, it doesn't matter uh, you got to bring in another quarterback you don't think TJ Finley's going to be here next year probably wouldn't matter if he was you, you have no idea what to expect with Calzada's decision he in theory could transfer you got to get him healthy Gurner is an unproven commodity and so you go down the line, it's like you, you need to bring in someone else, and the portal is the most effective way uh, of doing that. You know, I, I think I've seen some people suggest, well, if Ole Miss, you know, if it is Lane Kiffin, would they not just bring over Jackson Dart? I think he'd have to sit uh, he because he, he's he already, already he's transferred. transferred. Yeah. So he, he wouldn't get to just go play <clears throat> in Auburn next year. So that's not the most logical thing there. Uh, so, you know, who that quarterback would be, I, I'm not really sure that the 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 picture will start to be painted here in a few weeks once everyone starts entering the portal once you see who who's working with who and and that sort of thing and then of course who Auburn's coach might be but I, I do think that the reality is you, you're going to have to bring in somebody at the bare minimum to compete but probably someone with the idea of making them the starter would you be okay to see Zach Calzada get a shot at, at the job fully healthy and coming back from this injury. I, I'm not okay with Auburn not having someone brought in. Sure. Period. If you tell me that Calzada ends up winning that job, I might be a little skeptical about it, but mm -hmm. I'll accept it. Uh, but I'm not okay with the scenario where it's just Calzada, Ashford, and Gurner. <clears throat> I'm not okay with that scenario. Let's see what happens, man. I love quarterbacks, and I want uh, and Lane Kiffin loves his quarterbacks, and he makes great things happen with those quarterbacks. So we shall see uh, what that looks like tonight. We will see uh, the latest installment of the college football playoff rankings. As uh, again, the final week of the regular season, the AP poll has Georgia one, Ohio State two, Michigan three, TCU four, USC five, LSU six in their latest update. Do you think the playoff poll will look pretty similar to that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's got to at this point. I mean, those are your 
undefeated teams. Um, I think everybody else is just maybe waiting for one of those teams to slip up. Um, but yeah, that's that's how it's got to unfold. I think um, I think that order is actually probably correct. So yeah, I, I don't see anything there that would. Uh, be problematic i think it's interesting tennessee didn't fall much despite getting slammed uh, by an unranked team uh, of course i'm speaking of the ap poll we don't know what they'll be ranked in the in the true poll that matters at this point but just going off the ap poll logically no reason georgia should drop for number one everyone in the top four had some travails at times on saturday but ohio state should still be two michigan three tcu four you know what they do five through eight i guess is significant i think more significantly is probably clemson versus alabama and alabama has been ahead of clemson i believe right alabama was one spot ahead however clemson is ahead by one in the ap poll and just why i note that is if there is some chaos and clemson wins the acc championship you know, Clemson, if they're already ahead of Alabama, there's no way they Alabama would be in over Clemson if you got really chaotic. I'm talking I'm talking TCU losing the Big Twelve championship game. I'm saying USC losing to either Notre Dame or in the Pac twelve championship game. You know, I'm talking I'm talking LSU not being able to beat Georgia. You know, the those are three things there are varying degrees of likeliness but it, the reality is if if all those things happen, then you still could have a situation where I mean, you might look towards Clemson or or even Alabama, and you know, as much as I wrote them off two weeks ago, you know, enough has happened. The right things have happened to where it's not likely. Like I said, they have to have all those things happen. But then, if they do happen, then it becomes Clemson versus Alabama at that moment. And Clemson got hurt on Saturday, not because of anything they did on the field. They looked good against Miami. They won that game decisively. They got hurt because North Carolina lost, and North Carolina was 13th and one loss. And if they had gotten into the ACC championship game, and it will be North Carolina, and they'll still be ranked, but they're going to be ranked around 20th as they head into the nc state game this weekend they got to win that obviously too to even remain ranked when they play clemson but if they had been 10th 11th at the time that they play clemson you know uh, or you know that's a that's a really good win that clemson can have at the very end of the season right i mean they could have beaten a one-loss right. carolina team have been 10th or 11th that's you, that's you know not a lot of other teams will do something better than that in the last weekend of the year however carolina limps in at nine and three potentially not even being ranked if they lose to nc state all of a sudden clemson ain't going to get much credit for winning the acc championship game so i guess yeah. I, it's a long spiel there but i i think really the only thing that is going to be important to note is is just seeing that alabama is probably still ahead of clemson this juncture and if real chaos happens that could end up mattering Eric, I'm curious, are we in a position where over the years, since 2014, when the college football playoff era began, we have seen two SEC teams make it to the playoffs? Given some of the lo- SEC teams, given some of the losses from these SEC teams, do you think we could be in a position to have two Big Ten teams in the four? meaning Ohio State-Michigan going head-to-head. The loser, I'm sorry you don't get to go to the Big Ten title game, but you only lost one game, and it was to another really impressive team. Are we now in a scenario where two Big Ten teams have a realistic chance of making it to the playoffs? I definitely think it can happen. Just, you know, it depends on what that game looks like. Obviously, it's got to be a close game. Um, The the loser's got to be really competitive. And then I think it will probably take – 
USC losing, maybe. Um, but it, it could be really interesting. I mean, I think all season has been pretty clear that those are, you know, two of the four best teams. Um, it's, it's possible, but I think it really just depends on how that how that game turns out. Because if USC loses, right, the next team up is, and I'm, I'm just going to assume LSU loses to Georgia. I mean, the next team up is Clemson. Um, and if you compare a, you know, what, 12-1 and one Clemson ACC champion to a, let's say, Michigan that's, you know, 11-1 and one but lost to Ohio State by three, it, that could be really tricky. Um, so, I think it's I think it's definitely a possibility that uh, Gosh, you can see Ohio tricky. State yeah. and Michigan get in for sure. A one-loss Clemson with ACC champs versus a one-loss Ohio State or Michigan. Well, and the more losses that happen, you know, the better it is for the Big Ten because, again, I was using that Clemson-Alabama scenario not even – you know, factoring in not two Big Ten teams. I was just, I was keep just saying they're both in at that sure. point if all those teams lose. If okay. TCU and USC and LSU all lose between now and the end of conference championship weekend, then, yeah, they're both in, um, especially with any sort of respectable game. I think the best outcome, if you're the Big Ten, even though Ohio State's ranked technically one above Michigan, I think the best outcome since that game is in Columbus, you want a close Michigan loss. That's what you want. You want the road team to be very close in the game but lose a one-possession game. And if you get that, then you get the scenario where, A, they're going to have to debate Michigan versus some of those other one-loss conference championships, as as Eric talked about. But also, it gives them tremendous upside for if any of them lose. Like I said, you know, if TCU loses, since they're behind Michigan now, I just can't fathom them somehow being ahead of Michigan with a loss, right, in the Big 12 championship game. Because then no one has a conference championship. And then Michigan's loss is going to be better than TCU's because Michigan's loss will be on the road to Ohio State by possession. You see what I'm saying? So that <laughs> so that protects them against TCU. And, um, you know, I, I think it's very likely. I think really the only way you don't get two Big Ten teams is, is you have TCU win. That moves them up. And, again, I'm going to assume a close – I'm going to give the Big Ten their best scenario and give Ohio State a close victory over Michigan. You put TCU up in the three, and then I'm going to assume LSU loses to Georgia. I think that would be a not safe assumption, but that's going to be the more likely assumption. So, really, you're just comparing Michigan versus USC. And, look, by the way, USC's got the hardest remaining schedule of any of these teams we're talking about in terms of, you know, I know Ohio State and Michigan, but Michigan will be done. They don't have two games left. They have one tough game left. USC has two tough games left because – Notre Dame is a good football team now. This is not the same team that played and lost to Marshall week two. And I know that's hard for everyone to comprehend, but Notre Dame has won eight of its last nine. They're eight and three. They're ranked. They're in the top 20. They're going to be they're gonna I mean, be around. They blew Clemson out. Killed Clemson. <laughs> I mean. They're going to be in the top 15, I think, in the, in, the, in the college football playoff poll this week. Okay? That is not an easy game. And then – you will have to go to the Pac-12 championship game where you will play. I think you'll play Oregon. I've got to re-educate on the scenarios, but I think it'll be Oregon unless Oregon loses to Oregon State this weekend, I guess, in the Civil War. And so you've got Oregon, who is a perfectly capable team and also has a good quarterback that has been in the Heisman conversation. And so USC is going to have to beat two top 15 teams to get there. And USC, in my opinion, when I look at them, they're a little shakier to me than, say, Michigan is, just because maybe Michigan's played nobody, 
but Michigan, for the most part, has not had trouble with nobody. They did have a little trouble this past weekend with Maryland, but you know USC almost lost to Oregon State. That was a game really early in the year. It was like 19-14, 21-17 type of game. Yeah, they they were they had to make a stop against UCLA. To their credit, they did it. But they've been they've been shit more shaky at times to me this year. And so having to play Notre Dame, having to play Oregon, I think it's very possible they lose. And so if they lose and LSU loses oh yeah michigan's still in there's two big 10 teams in yeah yeah i mean i think i think usc is in a good spot like you said if they, if they win uh they win out they're going to be in uh they've also got the star power i think with caleb williams i think people would really want to see caleb williams in that scenario personally think he's the best quarterback in college football that's my opinion but um yeah i mean it could get tricky i mean like you said if usc loses lsu loses <laughs> I mean, maybe even Clemson loses. You know, you never know what could happen. Um, it could get really weird. But um, yeah, so many people were curious about the uh, Hendon Hooker effect and the Heisman Trophy odds, and and now it has only advanced the odds for Caleb Williams and C.J. Stroud right. as they kind of step forward and put themselves in a two man race to win that award. Yeah, so I think one of those guys, you know, this week got to have that quote unquote Heisman moment. Uh, obviously, CJ's got the. They got big uh, games got the, coming up that they got could the have that. Yeah, so um, if you get a big CJ Stroud game this weekend, I, I think he'll pretty much wrap that up. You think Ohio State or Michigan's going to win? Buckeyes at home? I'm taking Ohio State. Uh, just yeah. track record. Uh, I think they've got the more talented team. Um, Harbaugh Mich- finally Michigan. got it done last year. Yeah, Michigan's schedule's been really soft. I mean, I, I just think Ohio State's just got a little bit more talent. Um, I think Ohio State wins the game. Not, I don't think it'll be. We we talked about the game having to be close to be the best case scenario for the conference. I I just think you'll probably see. I, I think Ohio State wins that game by, you know, ten or twelve points. I I think it's a I think it's a close game, but I I'm giving Ohio State the nod since it's in Columbia or in uh, Columbus. I almost said Columbia. Um, it's, I'm going to give them the home field. Would advantage. you favor them in Columbia? On a neutral field, yes. Yeah, somehow, some way, we see Ohio State, Michigan play in Columbia. Who you like? Go with Ohio. I still think the Buckeyes. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go Buckeyes on a neutral field. We talking about South Carolina. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but I. Yeah, I I would. I would take Ohio State. Definitely taking them at home. Uh, Yeah, I I think. And I mean, really looking at their work and and the talent they have in some of the key positions, I think they're actually a team that could give Georgia a run for their money. Michigan, I I think they they are talented, but I just I think Ohio State's better, and uh, that home field advantage is going to be big for Ohio State. Covering the bases with Eric McDade, State Farm. It's been a whole lot of fun here today inside our studios. I got to get you out of here with one final question, yes, putting sir. you on the spot here. All right. But I'm going to let the other I'm going to force the other guys to get in the hot seat and answer this question too. Today, on November twenty second, twenty twenty two, I'm asking you. To very quickly declare a Super Bowl champion for me, who would that be, fellas? Wow. I'm asking you today to declare a Super Bowl champion. Who would that be? I'm ready. No, I'm ready. I, I, I've got I've got mine. I, let's, let's, it's who I've been predicting. Let's let these guys all. go ahead. Go ahead. I, I I've been predicting since the beginning of the year that Buffalo is going to be Bills. it's going to be Buffalo's year. Okay. I I just really like Josh Allen. Man, that dude's so good. Mr. Lavoie. Kansas City. I'm on the Kansas City train. I think Patrick Mahomes is figuring some things out. He didn't need to figure some things out. I just 
they got some mojo about them lately. I, well, and I think important subtext here too is, you know, they are they have a weaker schedule than Buffalo does going forward. They're already one win above, even though Buffalo beat them. So if Kansas City looks like they've got a better track to the one seed than Buffalo, and then when they play home field, I, you know, I like you know, in such an even matchup. If that game ends in Buffalo, I might be with Tom. I might take Buffalo, but I'm kind of predict projecting this out as a home Kansas City game, and therefore I'm I'm leaning towards Kansas okay. City. And by the way, I ain't picking the NFC team. I don't give a damn. <laughs> okay, so it's Kansas City or Buffalo. Okay, so Buffalo was my preseason pick to okay. to win the Super Bowl. I'm sticking with Buffalo coming out of the AFC. Okay, uh, I'll see if that changes I like in the them. next few uh, weeks. You're looking at a Cowboys fan, so I'm gonna go with the Cowboys out of the NFC. Um, the boys got it done on Saturday. Cowboys gonna win the Super Bowl this year, baby. The boys got it done on Cowboys Saturday. Cowboys gonna win the they Super Bowl. They need it, let's, man. Let's get it. I can't. I, I mean, look, '95 was a long time ago, brother. It's been a long time coming, man. I, I would, I would love nothing more. So I'm going with the Cowboys. I can get behind that. See, I don't hate the Cowboys like a lot of people do. You know, they're probably the most polarizing team, or at least one of them in the NFL. You, you feel like you got to be, uh, how about them Cowboys? Or you got to be Stephen A. Smith laughing his butt off every time they lose. It just feels like it's one or the other. There's but no human I, that takes more joy in the Cowboys oh, losing than Stephen, Stephen A. A. Correct? No, not at all. Yeah. Not even a little bit. And so I do empathize a little bit there because <laughs> I don't, I don't love nor hate the Cowboys. I'm just, I, I actually prefer them to the other teams in that division. It's time, um, baby. And so you know, I, I, I hope for their sake they can put to bed some of the drama and some of the, you know. All, you know, no, no one's making fun. No one, rel- relatively speaking, no one is making fun of half these other teams that haven't won a Super Bowl in right. 20, 25 right. years. At least the Cowboys had won some Super Bowls. There's teams out there that ha- haven't won a Super Bowl. Does their owner bring it on them, though? That's a whole other that, That's I'm part. Sorry. That is part. I'm sorry. As 100%. owner, general manager, and CEO of the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> We're about to get Odell home. Beckham. <laughs> Odell. Come on home, baby. We need you. <laughs> that's what that's gonna put us over the hump. I'm going with the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. And if we get him, it's because of Jerry Jones. <laughs> and if not, it's not my fault. <laughs> that's good stuff right there. Tony Pollard's coming on as of late, man. Zeke's yeah. doing his thing. CD Lamb. The we got defense, some things working yeah, there. Yeah, you, the we defense got is doing playmakers on defense. No kidding. It's I like time, it. Baby. All right, here's our uh, TV guide. Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Our Nightly TV Guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Stop by your local TK's convenience store, pick up a variety pack of White Claw, and uh, enjoy these awesome basketball games on tonight. Temple and Richmond at 6 on ESPN2. At 7 on ESPN, the Maui Invite. Listen to this great game. Top 10 battle. Number 10, Creighton. Number 9, Arkansas. Also tonight, the Vivid Seats Empire Classic features Syracuse taking on St. John's at 8 on ESPN2. And then on ESPN930, number 17, San Diego State, number 14, Arizona. NBA basketball tonight on TNT. You've got the Brooklyn Nets. You've got the Philadelphia 76ers. And then finally, the late game tonight on TNT. You've got the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Lakers. That is your nightly TV guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That winds down this edition of Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show. Uh, Tom and Ryan, 
Have a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thank Thanksgiving you, to you, you as well, bud. Eric McDay, thanks for being here. Happy yes, Thanksgiving. Sir. Thank y'all for having me. Happy Thanksgiving. That's going to do it for our show. We're on the air tomorrow at 3 o'clock. No show Thursday and Friday. For Tom Peavy, Ryan LaVoy, and Eric McDade, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.